Coco Talk would like to thank our patrons, the real sponsors of our show. Al Hartman, Alan Huffman, Blair Ledoux, Brendan Donahue, Brian Joyce, Brian Weasler, Christina Armstrong, D. Bruce Moore, Davey Mitchell, Diego, Disney Saints fan, Eric Canales, Fedor Stamen, Grant Leedy, Jason Bucata, Jason Downs, Jenna Farron, Ken Reichard, Kyle Etter, Malfunct, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Richard Lorbieski, Rob Inman, Stephen Wagner, Steve Bjork, Terry Steen, Terry Steggy, The Backyard Shed Gang, Tom C., and Tom S. Thank you ever so much, patrons. Coco Talk is an unscripted live broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own and not necessarily those of the Coco Talk show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds encourage, sense of humor recommended. If any off-color comments were made, we're sorry. Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS-80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Calore computer. It's time to drop your socks, grab your real-time clocks, and let's rock. Coco Talk is rocking the 8 Welcome to Coco Talk Live, episode 158. Today we talk about we may be mocked, nine, but we'll never stop. Because Coco Talk is rocking the 8 Hey, one of these days I'll get that intro right. <laughs> why, break, why break tradition? So, yeah. So, so we've got a full panel today. Uh, I guess let's start off with some introductions. So, um, first up on my screen before everything shifts around, uh, Ron Delvo. Hello. All right, next up, we got L. Curtis Boyle from O Canada. Hello, everyone. We're right. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Not yet, we have, I'm saving uh, that for later. <laughs> then we'll have the next Next up, we have Terry uh, Stiggy. Did I get that right? How's it going? Okay. And from uh, uh, next up is uh, Mark Ovahosta. Hello, Marco. Welcome, Oregon. All right. From the land down under, we have David O'Connor. Hello, everybody. Trying not to crash my plane here. <laughs> All right. Just remember to talk to your traffic control. <laughs> Don't cross runway until you're told to. No. <laughs> 
All right, next up we have uh, Grant Levy. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Yeah, Michael Furman. Hey, everybody. How you doing? And next over is uh, R. Allen Murphy. Howdy, howdy, everybody. And next up is a name that I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce. <laughs> Coward. Ugelio. Ugelio. Okay. He needs to turn up. Yeah, I need a little more volume in your mic there. All right. How's there? Uh, a little, little more. A little more. All right. A lot more. Oh. <laughs> All right, you can drive it. Probably Ugelio. Yep. Is that better? Okay. Uh, only a little bit. All right. There we go. That's Got better. It. That's good. Yeah, nice. All right. Well, where's he from? Tucson, Arizona. Oh, hey. Yeah. We're buds. Ooh, ooh. Ron's neighbor. Hey. <laughs> His name used to be backwards. He's taken part in the uh, Game on Challenge affair, uh, for the last few weeks. And his name used to be his name backwards, which was really hard to pronounce. <laughs> 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 All right. Next up. Uh, and we have Nick Marotta. <laughs> Good job. Yes. Hello. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Glad to be here. All right. Next over, Brian Weasler. Hello, all. Welcome to the show. Thanks. All right. Next up, uh, Patrick Euland. You're muted. still muted. These buttons are so hard. Howdy, <laughs> folks. <laughs> and do you prefer going by Rick or Patrick? Rick, actually. Okay. Long story, but that's where I ended up. <laughs> All right. Next up, someone we haven't seen for a while, Bill Noble. How you doing? Hello. Pretty good. <laughs> uh, let's see. Maker of all kinds of cables, Jason Reichard. Why, hello, everyone. <laughs> nah, it doesn't sound <laughs> oh, like him, does it? It's like the pre-creep show. Okay, go on. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, next up, David Ladd. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I hope you're ready for a show today. I certainly am. Let's get this train wreck going. Oh, and I hear a nice kitty. Come here, kitty. I want to play kitty. <laughs> That's our head creep. <laughs> okay. It looks like uh, the uh, panel shifted on me here. Uh, so um, jumping back over to the left, Alan Huffman. Sorry about that. Greetings from Des Moines, everybody. All right. Oh. All right. Resuming on, uh, from also from uh, down under, uh, Mick, Nick Marionettes. Good night, everyone. <laughs> hello, hello. All right. Next over, James Diffendaffer. Hello. Right. And <laughs> last up on the panel, our host in exile, Steve Strobridge. Hey, welcome from the Florida Turnpike northbound. It's a beautiful sunny day today. Cool bananas. All right. Well, that takes care of introductions. Um, Did you get Mr. Uh, upper right corner, Mr. Overholzer? Yep. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't paying attention. Marco, then. yep. All right. Um, project updates. Uh, let's see. Uh, Brian Weasler, I think you had one, didn't you? 
Oh uh, yeah, I got a few acquisitions I can share. Yep. Okay. I do have one mini update for a DW term. Something that got forgotten about announcing. All right, let me find the right button here to bring you up. There you are. So, uh, yeah, I did a couple things I'd like to share with the group here uh, that I found kind of interesting. Uh, this one here is uh, it's called Color Compact. Oh, program. oh. I, I'd never really seen it before, though, but it looks like some sort of a, a program that you can use to connect using a modem to other computers. Yes. Yeah. A very primitive one, but it did work. Yeah. It's extremely primitive. <laughs> and then uh, another one that... Uh, Sounds like a new uh, Cocoa project. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> another one that I think most people are kind of familiar with. Actually, there's been a little bit of talk uh, on the uh, Facebook about it this week, though, but it was the, uh, the Videotex uh, terminal package oh, yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, yep. This one here uh, uh, has the uh, has the card region, the, the Dow Jones, and the um, uh, CompuServe uh, manuals in there, and everything with it. So that was kind of a kind of a fun one to add uh, add to the group there. Um, let me reach here, and then uh, to further uh, still trying to get all the ROM cartridges. Uh, picked up this one here, uh, TypeMate. Type. I had that one yet, so that was a uh, got to add that one to my group. Is that the sequel to Typing Tutor? I believe so, isn't it? Uh, learn to type like a pro. So oh, yeah. there we go. <laughs> if, you, if 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 what's his name is finished the math tutor, then uh, you can switch that. Then, one. then you can switch out of that one there. <laughs> and then uh, got this one here with a uh, tennis. Didn't have this one here. Just don't see this one pop up very often. So it was still on the still on the plastic though, but uh, it had already been uh, the seal had already been broken on it. So but that's fine. And then uh, one other one here. Let me uh, let me grab this here. I've actually had this one for a while now. Um, I had posted on Facebook. I wish I had the guy's name in front of me. I, forgive me. Um, he had he had posted on the on the Facebook group about it, and um, he had come across it. And uh, I started chatting with him, and we kind of worked out a deal with it. Uh, forgive me here a second. Just getting it out of the box. It's a color computer too. The box is actually labeled as a. Um, uh, let me see here. As a twenty six. Uh, 3127, but, uh, and I think, uh, Jason, you had mentioned this, that there's a, there, there was something out on the, the, um, uh, the archive and a manual that actually referred to this thing. Um, it looks like a color computer too, but it had a factory installed composite port in it right here. Yeah, oh, I think that'd be one of the education models. It yeah, was only, yeah, that's what right, I'm talking right. about. It was the education model and it was, and on the bottom, the label, they relabeled as a 26, 3128 um yep. kind of see it right uh, where's it at there sorry there we are not that's coming into focus or not but, but anyway um the, the output on it is i don't have the case open otherwise i'd show you but uh yeah where the uh, rf module would be it has this uh, factory installed composite board um you have to use like um uh like a, uh, a three-prong uh, phono jack that you plug like a headphone jack to plug into the back of it there uh, but the video on it actually is really nice so uh I was glad to uh, to add that one to my uh, to my group of color computer twos. So I don't know how common they really are if they're out there, um, or because they were in the education system, they got maybe disposed of rather than auctioned off. I don't know how much really actually made it out into the public at all. But uh, um, has anybody else really seen any of those at all? I was kind of curious about that. Fairly rarely, I've seen them. But... Uh, I've heard, you know, rumors. <laughs> That's about it. I've never seen one. So I, I, reference to the schematic. 
Oh, okay. And the schematic about it. So yeah, no, everything works great on that one. It, uh, it really nice. Uh, the case is a little bit yellowed, but, uh, I might uh, add that to my, uh, I'm going to try to do a lot of retro writing this summer. I've never really done that. And I have about five or six systems. I want to take a swing at, uh, the, um, once the sun gets out here and, uh, uh, try to try that process out and maybe I'll give some updates on some of these machines. So, but that's all I have to share today. Yeah, I think I've seen a picture of that in kit form. I think maybe a year or so ago, somebody posted something on Facebook yeah. where they had gotten a hold of the kit in a bag. So it was just parts in a bag in an in a empty case. Oh, really? Okay. I think, I think it was sold both ways from what I remember. Like schools could get them pre, pre-installed, but yeah, there was a kit version as well. Oh, interesting. Isn't that depression in the bottom a Cocoa 3 thing? So is that a Cocoa 3 bottom on there? Uh, it's a big no, it's, hole. It's, no, it's still, it's just the, where the, oh, the ROM cartridge, where the ROM is at there. Yeah. The Cocoa three or the three would have that depression right here where the, uh, RGB, the RGB right. Yeah. yeah. I'm getting old. <laughs> <laughs> and that's no, all no, I have. No okay. depressions here. Uh, tell you what, we do have a kind of a new person on the panel here. Uh, uh, Rogelio. Um, uh, maybe give us a little backstory or say uh, extra hello. Oh, well, Tell us um, a little about you. Cocoa wise, I've been yeah, almost yeah. since the start of it, 1981. Um, Cocoa 1, Cocoa 2, MC10, Cocoa 3. And uh, it's been a nonstop ever since. Uh, I grew up in northern Mexico, border with Arizona. So there was a the mandatory weekly visits to Radio Shack were like was like a, a natural thing. <laughs> um, back in school, we were beginning to get uh, classes on microprocessor programming, and we were doing the 6800 with the Heathgate uh, trainers. Mm-hmm. So one good day, our teacher brought in a 4K Coco, and it was like an instant hooked on it. So um, I started with that basically um so it's been a long time um i've been trying to get into this uh coco talk live for a while but for whatever reason windows kept on throwing uh roadblocks at me <laughs> it's much easier it's much easier to just uh, fire up the coco that's when that's what windows is good at yeah <laughs> and, well, welcome uh, yeah welcome welcome aboard absolutely yeah, glad to have you on finally yep Could you, <laughs> glad uh, to be here uh, behind you, there, over your shoulder, is that a Coco One there in the in the far background there with the monitor? Yes, it's uh, the F board Coco One. It's playing the demo of Tetris. I was playing that yesterday, actually. Uh, David Ladd would be happy. David Ladd would be proud of you. Coco Three. Yep. Maybe there it is. Oh, awesome. very nice. Hey. So you got confidence, Coco One. Yes, that's a Sony uh, TV. The what I call Trinitron. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the best um, TVs I ever gotten for my Coco setups. So I'm pretty happy with it. I haven't uh, had, had the need to go compensate on that thing. Mm. So um, I, I see your multi-pack stuff to the gills too. Is that an eliminator in there? Mm, that's uh, these two super controller two for the Coco one. Oh, with the add-on board maybe? Uh, no, it's just uh, just plain the plain controller and nothing extra on it. Uh, the sound and speech card, the the uh, synthesizer and the SDC. Basically, the same setup is repeated on my Coco 3. 
Uh, but okay. I'm on the Coco 3, I'm using the FD502 controller. And yes, I still use floppies. Uh, <laughs> a lot. I'm with you, bud. Yeah, I still yes. do too. I mean, it's. Uh, They're still reliable. Yes. I mean, heck? I'm surprised about the, long the longevity of that. Some of those things are like 40 years old. Oh, yeah. They were not supposed to last more than, I don't know, five. <laughs> <laughs> I totally with you on the on the Sony Trinitron thing too. That's exactly what I'm running right now on my screen. Yeah, I mean, it's, broadcast uh, monitor say. I got it on eBay a while back. It came in uh, broken. I was able to fix it, and more or less, I got it for free. So. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, the seller kind of refunded the purchase because it got damaged on uh, on the shipment. The part of the neck got uh, not the not the CRT itself, but the board in the back got broken. Oh, okay. Well, it was more of a, like a surgery reconstruction there, but it was really fortunate. Really fortunate, it didn't snap the neck. That would have been yeah, a lot worse. Yeah, it, I don't know what the USPS threw at the box, but uh, they managed to go through the case, the outer case, and then somehow break, uh, split the board on the back of the CRT. Is wow. it a VGA only, or a VGA, and you, you can change it to copy? No, I mean, no, no. The, that that's a regular TV set, Sony. It's oh, just, okay. Uh, it has oh, okay. a composite video. And I'm planning to try that using something I found not too long ago. Oh, I was actually looking for a cool. Commodore 6480 column card. And someone mislabeled the word pack for Commodore. And I got it for really cheap. So uh, it's off to look for something else on, the, on eBay every once in a while. Cool. Yeah, those are pretty rare from what I know of. Yeah, this is the Wardback. Is that the actual Radio Shack edition too, not the independent one, right? Yeah, is there yeah. A, only one? Blow that up oh, a little bit a, there. Very uh, nice. Was that an EVRE20 running there, microphone? RE27. RE27, okay. Yeah. Yeah, nice. So, uh, yeah, that's more or less. Uh, I spent a lot of time in, I mean, it, uh, last decade I was in New York City and I moved back to Arizona, Tucson, and I've been here since uh, 2018 or so. Right. Because have gone along with me on, on my travels, like back and forth, happy. Right. This week, um, beginning of the week, I was in uh, t Tucson at uh, Star Arizona getting my um, telescope fixed. Hmm. Is any of that equipment that you have there, is that the stuff that you've had for 40 years or is it re recent acquisitions or is it, have you held on to all your equipment over the years? Uh, more or less, it's been stable. I've just uh, kept adding uh, accessories like uh, games, cartridges and stuff. But uh, that Coco One has been with me since, uh, I would say, the uh, early 90s. The Coco 3, we bought it, me and a friend, for uh, a college project. We needed to do a lot of word processing and we were just tired of getting our appointments on the school uh, lab. It was always busy. <laughs> so we went the Coco 3 way, and uh, that's where we wrote up all our papers. And in the end of the school period, I just bought it, bought my friend's half, and I kept it along with the uh, FD502 and the CM and CM8 monitor. So, yeah, that stuff is really old. What's on your other side? Um, my uh, workbench. And actually... Ah, MC10. Uh -oh. 
<laughs> there's, a, there's an MC10 on burning because uh, I, I had that machine also also since uh, Radio Shack put it on sale back in 85, I guess. And recently it started to uh, have a problem with drifting channels between three and four. So I just uh, did a minor uh, resoldering in, on the board and uh, set a, a small pattern graphics program just to run it. And it's been going since a couple of days there. Cool. Mm. All hey, right. Hey, Rogelio, I'm very happy that you've been able to join us. I wish I was at home where I could hear you better. I'm driving right now, but I've been a fan of yours for a long time since you stumbled across my YouTube channel. You do a lot of amazing things. And if, if anybody's not aware, I know we've referenced the video of the MC10 using a floppy drive, but that was your video. You're probably one of the few people that added a floppy to an MC10. And yeah, that's actually uh, Darren Atkinson board. Uh, okay. He uh, ran some uh, prototypes and I tested them. And I kept the first one. Most of those boards were shipped to France, I believe. So, okay. uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I know it's one of the rare, rare items to have, the, the, this controller for the MC10. It actually works really nice. Yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a bunch of people in France with hard with uh, floppy drives on their analysis, I would say about twenty people. Ah, wow! I, I assembled the first run of those, and it was like a probably like twenty or twenty five boards. Cool. Yeah. You want to give a you want to give a little plug to your YouTube channel or what? How we can find you out on YouTube? Uh, let me see if I can plug it in on the chat. It should be YouTube, and then follow my name. So, but hold on. Okay, I'll plug it in. Yeah, you got a lot of cool stuff on YouTube. You've done some stuff with DL logo, Bailey's logo. I remember seeing some of your Christmas demos. But yeah, you've done a lot of cool stuff, and uh, you've definitely been in the community longer than I have. But uh, just want to say it's good to kind of sort of meet you, even though it's not in person. To be on on the same call with you is an honor, sir. So thank you. Oh, thank you, thank you for having me. And uh, I plan to have this uh, more of a regular thing, but uh, usually Saturdays, for whatever reason, I'm always like doing extra work. So it conflicts with the schedule, but not today. <laughs> Excellent. Cool. All right. Moving on with uh, project updates. Uh, I think, um, uh, Jason, you had uh, you had some updates, didn't you? Absolutely, yes. Uh, when I had, had to, did some uh, things, I got some things on eBay this week. And um, got, uh, got a really cool bundle on eBay this week. Um, Couple uh, unique uh, items here. Um, but ukes. <laughs> uh, no, no ukes. No ukes. Oh, you know what? Before I go to the eBay stuff, just really quick, I was having the same issue with my MC10. The RF was starting to drift between channels, and I just went ahead and got one of the Ed Snyder composite boards, uh, and I installed that uh, yesterday evening, and it's uh, it's working. It's working well with my little color bar program that I ported to the MC10. Uh, but it's not running Xenix. Uh, no, the Coco Three is running Xenix. The MC Ten is <laughs> up top on the television. I have the. It is actually a television, so I have HDMI and a couple other inputs, so it's a little more versatile than just the computer monitor I used to have up there. Um, but going back to, I, I found I actually found out about this bundle on the mailing list, and I was it was just like right after work, and I went ahead and grabbed it, and. Um, Couple cool items. I, I one of one of the coolest cool items here. I got. I, I now have a copy of Donkey King on on tape. Uh, there, 
but uh, with the complete with the uh, with the uh, dot matrix label. Um, uh, even a tape copy of Puyen uh, didn't have that. Um, oh, and uh, I had one of these before. I don't know what happened to it, but now I do have Zaxxon on tape again. So that's that's good stuff there. Um, and probably one of the most exciting things I found on tape, and uh, you know, is Vidtex. It's got to be right up there with color scripts, it doesn't it? I, I, I you know what? It, this only takes 4K, so you know, that's pretty cool. Um, uh, uh, where's uh, uh, Fudge? Let's see here. Uh, oh, a cool, really cool thing. And I, I posted this up in uh, the uh, the uh, TDP group that uh, Terry has. Uh, but I found I found in in this bundle was DataSoft Moon Shuttle. And the reason I put it in the TDP group is this for TS TRS eighty color and TDP one hundred right on it. So I, I thought that was pretty cool. I I, I don't think I've ever seen one of these in the wild. So. And Mr. TDP was all over that, wasn't he? Oh yes, he enjoyed that. And I, I, I put that on the all all things Tandy and Radio Shack. That's another fun uh, Facebook group if you uh, if you love your old Radio Shack stuff. Uh, a couple other weird things, and I, I, I have this one here. It's from Computerware Color Pack Attack, and it's definitely a third party. It looks like probably like it was a maybe a typewriter or a dot Daisy Wheel label there or something. Uh, unfortunately, this doesn't JT. work. What's that? Nothing, just JT. Just, uh, oh yeah, just uh, the Daisy Wheel printer going yeah. in the background. Yeah, go on. Uh, <laughs> it, for, I don't know if this is out there somewhere else. Uh, I didn't have a chance to look at it yet. But it doesn't load. It's just an IO error. It's one copy on each side of the tape, and both sides of the tape are kind of hosed. Um, got uh, got VIP terminal. Um, what is but copyright 1983 by soft law. I, I, yeah, I Nelson computer with. systems. That's their uh, terminal program. Like color compact earlier, except much better. Okay. Okay. I, I wasn't familiar with that one. Um, another one I hadn't heard of before Alcatraz Two, spectral from spectral associates. Yeah. To come watch again, just a, a dot matrix. Pretty cool though. Third party label, just dot matrix, yeah. but pretty cool. That, that's a Mike Huey game before he did grabber and draconian. That was his first commercial package. And it was a basic program. Yeah, it is in basic, and it's Alcatraz. It says Alcatraz two, so I guess there's a Alcatraz one. I don't uh, know. I don't well, there is. Um, remember, yeah, actually. And then I, I got three tapes, uh, three other tapes here from a company I had never heard of, Ardvark. And yeah, they made uh, a ton of text adventure games. Uh, they also made some arcade games by Dave Edson. Uh, the ones I have here are Tube Frenzy Color eighty. I like it says illegal to copy right on the on the yeah two frenzy is an arcade the, game uh venture color 80 that's a clone of venture from the arcade also by Dave Edson. both of those are by Dave Edson, by the way okay I had, and i hadn't had a chance to test any of these ones here uh caterpillar color 80 so that's, i guess that's, that's Dave Edson's uh centipede clone yeah that's that was my guess um so pretty cool stuff there um and i also i also now have another copy of bedlam and uh rack of two uh, from from Radio Shack and a uh, couple. This is the Curtis is the Rain Man of Coco Gaming, by the way. In case you didn't. Know. Well, I, you know what? <laughs> Let's see. Isn't the Coco Gaming site on L Curtis Boyle's website? So it is. <laughs> we'll finally be getting might... updates in May too. So oh, look at that. Yeah, see, that's yeah. If there's someone that knows Coco Games, it should be Curtis. He's the it it's is. the only Coco Games website. Uh, you know, it's the number one Coco Games website. I said that with the utmost of respect, by yeah. the way. Yeah. There's some other ones, actually. There's, um, oh, what the heck's it called now? 
a guy who did a bunch of reviews. He did about you know 100, 150 reviews mm. of Coca games with screenshots, but he never finished it after that. Gotcha. Kind of like uh, another cool thing I got here. I got this, uh, this this unassuming brown box. I open up the brown box. There are nine still nine. sealed C twenty uh, computer cassette tapes in them. Ooh, so, oh, cool. Uh, I remember neat. those covers. Now you can I, pack I up all those other tapes you showed us. Right. I, I, I don't see when I, I think these came out. I remember seeing these in the store, but by the time when I was using tapes, it was more like, you know, like the, the blue and the red ones yeah, that said yeah, Radio yeah. Shack on mm-hmm. it, like this one here that was in there also. Uh, and then, uh, well, we had a few of the computer tapes, and then we just figured out how to use the uh, regular tapes and just go past the uh, leader. That was a, that was a, that was a lesson that was, uh, quickly learned and a uh, couple other things you know another ccr81 i uh, haven't had a chance to test it yet with with cable and there's a power cable around here somewhere uh for it um, um let's see what else did we find here it was a pretty cool bundle i i, I we got to the um got this here it's the uh color computer learning lab so haven't had a chance to test any of this, but it's got all the. Wow! Uh, look at all those tapes. Look at all these tapes, right? It's it, look at that. That's just <laughs> wow. Tape tastic there. That's uh, their wait. basic learning lab too, right? Not the machine language one, right? Uh, yeah. I see basic. I see basic commands on the cover, so I'm going to have to okay. assume that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's definitely basic. Uh, just okay. by glancing. How is your there. storage situation going for all this that stuff? Looks an excellent uh, well, I don't have a garage, but I do have a storage unit, so oh. we manage. I. I, I see a reorganization coming soon to, to this stuff here, but um, uh, also uh, had a copy of Canyon Climber and uh, Holden Wright's Canyon Climber and uh, was a Space Assault. So I think you I just have look both. for old WalMarts. Look to for old Wal- sto- to use as a storage. <laughs> Isn't that what Ron does? Hey, you know what you should do is get a, a space of pepper, and then uh, make a, you know. Salt and sh- pepper shakers. Okay. Um, <laughs> moving on, I got a deluxe wow. joystick. A deluxe joystick in a box in a box here, and uh, you know, I, it's definitely in there. I don't think it's new, but it's in a box. Is it a one button preserved? Yeah, it's even got the uh, even got a little little bit of styrofoam stuck to the cord. So, oh yep. well, the other side of the styrofoam has a cord imprint on it. I haven't had a chance to check that out either yet. Cool. This stuff just showed up yesterday. FedEx uh, brought me all kinds of goodies. It got here really quick. I, I, I you know, I, I won it on Wednesday, and it was here. It was here uh, on Friday, which was which was great, especially since I was oh, off yeah. that day. But uh, another cool thing. Let's let's get into the really cool stuff now. That that stuff's good. It's it's pretty. It's, but that stuff's cool. But let's get into the really cool stuff here now. Uh, I <laughs> don't think I have. I don't think I've ever had one of these, but I now I now have a Coco 2B. Ooh, oh, love a case. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's in it's in really really nice shape, but it is it is a uh, 26 uh, 3127B. It, it is an it is an excellent mm-hmm. excellent shape. Um, chip. What's the serial number? Uh, serial number. Yes. Uh, let's see here. It's two zero five eight six five five. Oh, that was a great message. Oh, hey, check yeah, under was... your seats at home if you have that number. Hold your cards. Bingo has been called. Is that a full sixty four K extended basic? Fully loaded. Yes. yes. It actually the uh, the name badge actually says 
Candy, and it says 64K, 64K color, color computer. computer too. Yeah, R- yeah right, uh, right on the name badge. The American or European spelling of color? It's the American. Okay. The American. <laughs> the American, uh, not more. the Canadian. All right. Um, and then I don't think these manuals. I don't think the. I don't think the Coco 2B came with these. I remember getting these with my yeah. old Coco. Okay, camera, what are you doing? Uh, but it's the <laughs> separate extended color basic and uh, color basic manuals that I remember getting back with my uh, melted keyboard cocoa back well, in the day. They changed to getting started with extended color basic. The right. I, I have a book here that's just extended color basic. It's everything in one book. The smaller you notice you have two different versions there, too, because your extended is color or color computer, and this, the other one is color computer, too. Uh, uh, oh yes, the, you know. Did the extended color basic manual say color computer too? For the later ones, yeah. Okay, because yeah. okay, like when I, how I started out and, and my brother by proxy, of course, was that we had a, a Coco two sixteen k uh, color basic, and then we got the upgrade later. Yeah, uh, hey, just a, just a quick tip: when you read those, one that says "getting started," read that one first, and then go to the <laughs> other one that says "going ahead." <laughs> Absolutely. That that and two dollars will get you a will get you a soda in most places. Sounds like the voice of experience here, Stevie. Yeah. <laughs> hey, over yeah, in the uh, chat, uh, Terry Steen says uh, you need a tape weasel. A tape weasel. A tape weasel. Um, I got a tape gun. <laughs> <laughs> what about it? <laughs> what about a right tape here, weasel? ready to go for no good reason? And it's loaded. Yeah. It's loaded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you have a type worm? <laughs> uh, you know what? That would be great. I could, I could, uh, you know, uh, lose a few pounds. That would, that would be a great way to do it. <laughs> That'd be yeah. the easy way, wouldn't it? Ugh. Um, but uh, uh, the big, the big, not advise that. No, I would not advise that. <laughs> Kidding. Do not do this at home. Tape, tapeworm not recommended. Do not drink. The cool, the cool thing, and the thing that I got, the reason I bid on the auction in the first place and kind of aggressively bid on it because I got, I, I got, uh, I used to have one of these. I don't, I got rid of it for some stupid reason, but I found, I found this multi pack. Oh. And this is the, uh, this is the it's uh, 26, version. it's the 263124, not the 24B yeah. or A. The, so it is not, mo- it is not uh, modified for the Coco 3 yet. Uh, it's it's acting a little funny, so I got to look into it. It's uh, it wasn't booting all the time, and then uh, and I was playing it on the Coco Two. And since I had the Coco Two B hooked up, I was playing Guardian, you know, semi graphics, and occasionally the graphics would just start to the the ground. They had an orange line for the ground would start to just go everywhere. So there's something funky there. Maybe I I'm not an expert on that. I'll probably have to pick some people's brains on that. Uh, probably wouldn't be a bad idea to replace the caps. We'll see. I, I'm. But it does work, just not as well as it probably should. But uh, I think that's it. I, I got it. Got in with the multi pack, right? Yep. Okay. Pretty good haul. Yeah. Hey, do you mind telling us what that cost you? That old bundle. That's a good deal. Uh, it was about uh, with shipping. It was just a. It was just a smidge over two hundred dollars. Okay, it's not bad though. You got a lot of goodies there. That's absolutely. Absolutely, multi pack makes it worth it. The multi packs worth the multi packs and the cocoa, yeah. yeah. And a so lot of third party software, original right? software, which is rare yeah. to get these days. Those new in box cassettes are priceless. Well, with today's uh-huh. rising entertainment costs, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, 
also had on my list, uh, Mickey, you had an announcement. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't have anything to um, – and I was going to prepare prepare this, but uh, things just uh, got away from me. But um, one of the things I forgot to announce uh, two weeks ago was that DW Term has Mega Mini MPI support. And as far as I'm aware, it's the first piece of software to be published with that support. So uh, in order to – What's that? That's for the 16550? Right. The Mega Mini MPI uh, has uh, two uh, 16550 serial ports in it. And uh, it has a little little header thing on the side of it. So you need to have one of these little uh, adapter doodads. You, uh... Ed Snyder sells these. Uh, this little guy plugs into the side of the Mega Mini MPI. And it has two. Uh, let me let me hold it up again. This part plugs into the Mega Mini MPI, and uh, the other side has two uh, USB ports. These are um, FTDI uh, USB serial adapters, and you just plug your little USB cable in there, and uh, you can run PyDrive Wire. Um, I need to publish the instructions for that because you need very specific. Um, I have hard-coded for a very specific uh, baud rate, and uh, there's also another um, another option you ha must enable hardware flow control. But uh, if you get those things correct, you can use um, I drive, you know, use um, DW term, sorry, uh, with uh, Mega Mini MPI. Um, is it uh, faster? Uh, it depends on what you have going on on the computer on the other end, um, exactly which version of PyDriveWare or um, the Java server that you're running. It can be a little bit faster, um, but uh, yeah, uh, I for I completely forgot about this when I was publishing the release notes for DW Term, so uh, I'm I just need to do a documentation update for this, which. Uh, Maybe uh, I can prepare later in the show and uh, get that get those get the instructions out so people can actually do something with the serial port on their Mega Mini MPI. So, are you fully supporting the FIFO at this point, or just supporting the serial port raw? What do you mean? Uh, it is the FIFO. Uh, you hmm? yeah, go ahead. That yeah, FIFO. Yeah, the fourteen. You do buffer. the the FIFO is uh, enabled. Um, I don't remember if it's uh, maximum is 14 bytes or 8 bytes, um, but uh, because the um, basically I have it hard coded at um, 921k baud, so that's so fast that the Coco really can't keep up with that at all. So you need to have the FIFO enabled, which is, which is automatically enabled. There's no all the this right now. This stuff is just hard coded in the DW term executable, but the FIFO is enabled, and uh, uh, the UART is also doing an automatic flow control. So when the FIFO does get full, it basically signals the other end, "Hey, you need to Pause, stop yeah, now," yeah. and uh, give give the Coco time to to catch up. So um, that. Uh, that does work. So, um, so what do you figure the actual baud rate is that the Coco can actually handle? It's um, well below that, right? So I haven't. Uh, I have done some performance testing with it. 
Um, I have not uh, published my results yet. Um, I can I can speak to those results. Um, so the the usual drive wire test. Um, let me let me bring up my notes so that I so that I know uh, where is it drive wire performance? Yeah. So the the usual. I don't know. Do you guys want me to share this? I can share it. Sure. Give me one second. Okay, hang on. I got two flip screens here. All right. So now I should be able to share this. All right, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> and by the way, Mark Bosley, thank you for streaming today. Uh, you're welcome. The show must go so on. These are these are just unfortunately these are just my raw my raw notes. Um, I haven't uh, I haven't uh, you know um, I need to rewrite it a little bit more nicely uh, to make it make it easier to understand. But uh, basically, um, the standard the standard test one of the standard tests that everybody publishes is uh, this command called uh, mega read on Nitrous 9. And that basically whatever device you give it, um, in this case, it's the boot device, it reads one megabyte from that device. And so this is pretty much the standard test. So um, if you're just using the Bitbanger at uh, 115, 200 baud, uh, mega read will take, um, let's see, where's, where's the actual time? I think we want uh, this. Two hundred seconds. No, you want you want this one. Uh, there's a, there's actually a. Um, okay, this is a different test. Sorry, th that data that data is bad. We need to we need to look at this data here. Um, so, ignore all that. This test is getting <laughs> <a> backup. <laughs> Uh, I, I had some. I had some, the reason why why the the data above uh, needs to be redone is I had a driver problem on my Mac, and um, that caused a huge slowdown. So I got past that issue. All right. So fine. This test here is your HDB DOS. You're doing a backup of one drive to another drive uh, over drive wire. So uh, if you're doing that over the Bitbanger or the RS232 port, that'll take. 57 seconds. Um, if you're doing it, um, so th this actually demonstrates my um, problem on the Mac. Um, if you look at my data here, um, if I increase the baud rate, it basically gets faster and faster and then slower. And this isn't, this isn't quite right. Um, so I was able to set up um, do a very a very specialized setup on my um, and I can actually I can actually show this. I'll, let me let me describe it first and then uh, show the table and then I'll show the actual hardware setup. Um, I was actually able to set up a Raspberry Pi four, which uh, Raspberry Pi four has um, like I think it's six hardware UARTs. And uh, I and uh, those are uh, TTL, so I was able to set that up, set up Pi Drivewire on my Raspberry Pi 4, use one of those hardware UARTs, 
and connect that directly uh, through uh, over TTL into a, um, you know, in between the Mega Mini MPI and the Raspberry Pi 4. And I was able to get results like this. So we went down from 57 seconds. And if you, if you see this, this baud rate table here at um, 115K baud, you know, I'm already at 35 seconds to do the disk backup. But look at what happens when I increase the baud rate. So you're using two serial streams at one time, drive wire on two serial streams? No. No. No, okay. no, no. This is no. just, this is just one connection. Just one connection. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I was able to get down from 57 yet? seconds with the bit banger all the way down <laughs> to 15 seconds. And that's a two, a, a baud rate of about a 20 K, 20 K baud. So uh, I think there was a question. Stevie. Well, yeah, question. I was just, I was just wondering if we were actually going to get to the answer of the question, but I think you just got there. So, we, we went from, we were basically about one quarter of the time is what this gives us. Right. That's correct. Okay. Cool. So, okay. Uh, I have the, I have the actual hardware here. So I'm going to hold that up here in a second. One moment, please. Okay. All right. Uh, can you uh, spotlight my video? If I can find you. Here you are. So I can, uh, so I can find this here. So okay. All right, go ahead. So here's the Raspberry Pi four. Um, it's not not in the case. And I have one of these one of these uh, T adapters. But uh, what's going on here is uh, I just have the two of the serial ports, uh, and uh, the little chip here is a level converter from three point three to five volt logic, and uh, I just have this little little cable here, and uh, this plug this guy plugs into the Mega Mini MPI. You know, this is just the little um, little connector connector deals that you would. I'm not showing this. Yeah, that's little all right. connector we deals that you would use with like you know Raspberry Pi or whatever that you're that you're prototyping prototyping stuff. So basically, I just plug this guy into into my board here in the correct correct orientation, and I've connected uh, the Mega Mini MPI to the Raspberry Pi four. Just the whole. The whole deal. So th this was the test rig that I used to generate the results that I showed, and I was able to get very excellent results. So, what does this mean? Mm -hmm. uh, it means that USB is not the absolute fastest fastest way to do drive wire. It works. It's convenient because our computers today do not have um, hardware serial ports anymore. But if you do have a hardware serial port, you can get very screaming fast, excellent results with it. So I'm sorry that that's a very long answer to the question, but it mm -hmm. uh, gave me an opportunity to show some of, some of my uh, preliminary performance data and uh, the test rig that I used for it. All right, cool. Very cool. Hey, uh, what do you say we um, uh, take a short break? I think Terry and... Stiggy had a presentation too, didn't he? Yeah, Terry had something. Okay. Something super quick if you guys want to see. Um, sure. If I could. Because during the commercial, I was going to ask if anyone else had anything else to uh, present. We can do it after the commercial <laughs> if you want, Mark. It's up to you, man. Whatever you think. Uh, that's fine. We can we can go for it. Okay. Uh, if I can share my screen here. Oops. The other direction then. There we go. 
So Tony Pedraza uh, sent me a bunch of um, Glenside um, newsletters. We've been working on this over the last few uh, months. I finally finished everything that he sent me. In addition to that, um, I got them all converted to a, a text-based PDF. So they are actually a selectable. Oh, nice. And if there's any uh, basic uh, programs in here, you can actually, I don't have, of course, I picked one that doesn't have one. <laughs> you can uh, copy them and paste them into an editor and, and use them. But as far as we know, we have everything converted that we can find. There's a few missing ones. But uh, uh, anyway, that's kind of what, uh, what I've been working on and kind of happy to have that done. So <laughs> Very cool. Where, nice. where does one go to get those? Um, they're going to put, Eric is going to put it on the Glenside site. I've kind of just got it in a holder, uh, bucket right now. Um, but I will, uh, as soon as Eric gets them on his new site, he's working on for Glenside, we'll, uh, we'll get those posted. So. Okay. I have a recommendation. What? Pardon? <laughs> I have a recommendation that you should publish, publish those on archive.org as well. Uh, probably with the club's permission. Yeah, I thought I'd let Eric do that, um, and or at okay. least talk about it in the uh, uh, in the next meeting we have. Yeah. But I wanted yeah. to get them all, make sure I could make them indexable, and that actually is working pretty well. So, yeah, if you put them on archive.org and the Color Computer Archive, that would be great because that's the two most common places to look for that kind of stuff. Let me write that down. Yeah, I, I will. I will definitely have him do that. And also, do you have a list of what issues you're missing, just in case any of us longtime Glenside members might have some of them still? <laughs> Um, yeah, I actually started. I, I will post that as well. I I've had a couple that we pulled over from the old site that were actually corrupted. So I had to get other versions of those, which I, I did get. But um, I stopped my looking for other ones until we got that done. So, <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks, Curtis. Okay. Does anyone else uh, have any uh, acquisitions or updates? Just a minor acquisition. I got my copy. Cool. And I got a case for my MCX-128 from uh, Ed Snyder, which made me very happy. All right. Anybody else? No? Okay. So let's go ahead and uh, take a uh, commercial break. And then uh, we also have a new uh, Cocoa Thoughts uh, to present. And we'll be right back. Let's see. Where's the button? This one. Hi, this is Eddie Zurbinski from beautiful Quebec City. Vous écoutez Coco Talk. As you're enjoying Coco Talk, we also want to remind you about the Coco Discord server. This is a place where people come to connect, to ask questions, to provide answers, to share information, and to socialize. So when you're done, why don't you head on over to the Coco Discord server and we'll continue the conversation there. The easy to remember link is discord.cocotalk.live. See you on Discord! Coco123 is the Glenside Color Computer Club community newsletter that's been in publication since 1985. While the Rainbow Magazine may be gone, it doesn't mean you still can't have a cool Coco periodical. Head on over to the Glenside Color Computer website at glenside.com 
www.ccc.com and then click on the documents link to view all the past issues of the Coco 123 newsletter. Not only can you read all of the past and present issues, we'd also love to hear some submissions from you. So if you'd like to send an article, a column, uh, something to talk about, maybe even a program listing, send an email to glensideccc at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. The Cocoa World Map is a cool community resource where you can view coconuts from around the world. Head on over to map.cocotalk.live and see where your fellow coconutians happen to be living on the planet Earth. If you would like to submit yourself to be on the Cocoa Map, send an email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live and we look forward to seeing you on the Cocoa Map. Hey guys, it's Stevie Stroh, and if you've been watching Coco Talk for a while, hopefully you understand that everyone is welcome to join this show. You don't need an impressive resume to get on. You just need to enjoy the Coco and be willing to talk about it. There is no wrong way to Coco. There is no wrong way to be a fan of the Coco. There's no wrong way to be on Coco Talk. You just have to want to talk Coco. So if you would like to join us, then reach out to us on our Discord server, which is discord.cocotalk.live, or send an email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live, and let's get you on the show, and let's talk about the Coco. Hi, I'm Tim, and you're watching Coco Talk Live. And I'm playing Daggereth online like that idiot from the book. Right, can you can you dial back on the condescension there as you respond there? And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. A public service announcement. Nitrous 9, not suitable for inhalation. Challenge. All right, welcome to the high score challenge segment. That was a great new bumper done by Rob Inman. Thank you, Rob. So uh, yeah, we had a we had a really good week. This is probably our I think it's our second highest week. Um, this past week we did uh, Xenix. So if uh, you can go ahead and roll the uh, high score video, Mark B, we can see what happened. <laughs> so we had 22 play actually 23 i'll talk about that in a bit because we had a late entry but here come the score results and uh, we had um our alan murphy at 3583 mark b at 4600 me at 4630 grant leady at 4793 Mark Overholzer at 5,293. Rogelio at 6,801. Charlie001 at 7,508. That's the son of a new listener, of a new player. Mr. Dave609 at 7,714. Flutterball, who is Charlie's dad, at 8,208. Catlord at 8,283. Gary Siggy at 8,666. Tom C at 9,585. Uh, Alpen Grice at 10679, K 
Community Retro Things at 11014. Uh, ben at 14242. Bryce at 17230. Jerry Mobley, oh, it's going by fast. Paul Shoemaker, 19163. Paul E.T. at 19212. David Croker at 20645. David Ladd at 25133. And L. Curtis Boyle, who squeaked in with a spare five minutes to spare at 26379. So here are our participants. And I don't know if you remember, as a bonus this week, top three players are uh, receive a free key for uh, the new Coco uh, cover of Outhouse on. Uh, and Stevie did not play. Stevie did not make the list. Stevie, Actually, Stevie did play. He just didn't make the Stevie is high score list. <laughs> but thanks anyway, Stevie. So anyway, yes, we had a. Re- you know, I'm kidding, Stevie. So we had a really good week, and uh, I'm interested to hear uh, people's opinions of this game that I did not really know about until this week. Uh, it was actually suggested to me by Curtis. So thank you, Curtis, for that suggestion. One of the best 128K Coco 3 games, period. That's okay. my, my Really fast. Like 60, it was a 6809, really fast. Uh, I, background music constant. I was really, really impressed. Those explosions are pretty high resolution yeah yeah when one alien would explode and then kind of careen off the other ones an explosion off, yeah. would follow them oh that was so well done it was a re- it's a really quick and gets difficult quickly game explanation point yes <laughs> and what I, I love and hate about this game is you can shoot your power-ups oh. so it's actually cool in a, it's sort of like a that's a jeremy spiller kind of theme by the way but it's also Does that in Crystal City too, where you can get your 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 fuel balloons? You can shoot those too, and not get yeah. anything for them. So, and it's, so, it's also one of the few arcade games that actually has an end too, because if you actually make it to level thirty-two, and then you finish that level, level thirty-three, and, and Bryza would be the one to tell you about this. I've never made it that far myself, but apparently there's the mother planet, the home planet of the aliens, and you get to shoot, destroy it, and then you win the game. That's cool. I nobody made it that far this time. I'm I'm assuming. Um, Even my pussycat approves, <laughs> as we heard in the background. Then, <laughs> so I saw some different posts about different controllers people were using. Some like the Black Beauty, uh, some like the more uh, the trigger style, the uh, flight style sticks. Um, any feedback on that? Um, I'll, I'll give some tips and tricks from my my point of view on it. Um, first of all, you're going to have a sore thumb or finger from hitting the fire button so much because this is one of the few games that can keep up. No matter how fast you hit that button, it'll keep up with the firing speed. Um, I don't know if anybody here used any rapid fire things. I didn't, but uh, it's probably one of the games you could use that on. The main, the main technique I use is that I try to get the the power-up bugs, you know, the solid-shaped aliens where you can get you know, you know triple shot and armor-piercing bullets and extra fuel and all that kind of stuff. And all of them give you a little bit of extra fuel. So basically what I do is I, especially on the bonus rounds, I don't even worry about trying to clear the round and get the bonus points for that. I just try to get all of the power-up bugs shot so that I can collect them all and refuel basically during the bonus round for the next four rounds before the next bonus round comes up. And can I share my I screen while Curtis is talking, um, Mark? Yes, go ahead. I'll show some video play while Curtis is talking. Okay. Go ahead, um, yeah, so basically, the, it, it's the same technique you use in Crystal City, where you have to keep your fuel up, otherwise you're going to end up just dying. 
Um, and also, of course, the game gets quite complicated later on when you get some of the boss aliens coming by, and then the screen starts shaking all over the place every time you get hit, which is a really cool effect, but a real bugger to try to try to get through. So, um, but a great great game. Um, I would love to see the final end. So, if anybody here actually gets good enough at it to make it to the final end, please video record because I have never seen the the ending. You know what it what it actually does when you when you win. So. This is Ben VR Drapes who sent in this uh, clip on YouTube. Curtis, do you know what uh, it was developed in? A same language. Uh, he had his own assembler. He tried using Ed Tasm, ran out of room. Then he borrowed it and had uh, a commercial one. Uh, was it Circoms? I can't remember. Or Microworks, maybe. And ran out of room in that. And then he ended up writing his own assembler specifically oh, wow. to, uh, to, to, to speed up his development time. And he also installed a. Uh, extra RAM disk hardware card he designed that um, he had assembled two to keep the speed going up, not having these floppies. That's pretty impressive. Very. It's, it's an awesome game. And I'm trying to remember when he did this one and Crystal, was he out of high school yet? I don't think he was. He might have been when Crystal finally got finished, but I think he was still in high school when he did he this. Said, yeah, he said he was still in high school. If you look at his uh, webpage, it's like gosub.com. Yeah, which is the original software company he sold this under uh, before he started getting sold through Sundog. I've met him a couple times too, and he's, he's a really nice guy. So I just want to give a shout out to um, Amigo, Aaron from Amigo Retro Gaming. He got his score in too late for to make the video, but so we actually had 20, when I say before, 22. So we had 23 players. Uh, Amigo there was 88, yeah. 24. Yeah, actually, 24, because Stevie did play it. He mentioned in, in the chat that he did play it. He just didn't get a score high enough to show on the qualifying Yeah, I will count. That's true. So 24. That was really awesome. Then. That might be it's definitely, um, I don't know if that's our absolute highest, but it's definitely up there. I think our biggest week was, was our biggest week Nightmare Highway? I can't remember. But anyway, 24 is excellent. That was a really good turnout, guys. Any, any um, tips or tricks from anybody else on the panel? Don't shoot your power-ups. <laughs> <laughs> or if you do then swear heavily um, <laughs> so, sorry go ahead David no I was going to say as far as if you're on Windows Mac or Linux and if you uh, like rapid fire controllers you can use an 8-bit Go SN30 Pro to uh, help shoot faster Yes, I would definitely cut. I heard a lot of people saying, "Oh, my thumb's killing me after this." I, this is a real button masher. So yeah, that would definitely help with that. The only problem is you have to keep shutting the auto fire on and off, though. I think because if you like, like Nick said, you can't shoot your power ups, and if you just have the thing mowing down everything, you'll never be able to get a power up ever. Exactly. Well, that is true, but there's one nice thing about Mame, and the fact that with the eight bit dough, it looks like a SNES controller, but its layout is that of like a PlayStation controller. And each button can be turned on and off for rapid fire. So if you set like button one and two to the A and B buttons, and then you set <clears throat> button one and two to X and Y, and you only turn on turbo on X and Y, then you have both non-turbo and turbo available to you. Not that I wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> Terry, you had a you had a tip too, or you know what? My my score didn't reflect as I guess I don't know if I could give the tip or not. <laughs> I did try when it would come out, um, staying in the center um, and getting all of the 
co the different colored uh, aliens on top first because you know they take multiple hits to to get rid of. So I tried to get those lines done first so I didn't have to worry about them when they started falling down. But that's about the only tip I have. Okay. Also in the chat, Dave and Sharon Veery, uh, he mentions that uh, sweep left or right while shooting so you don't shoot your power-ups. I actually, I did a derivative of that too. I didn't sweep like, you know, hard left, hard right. I just slowly inched my way left and right and then, you know, tried to dodge bullets as they're coming down. But that way I could shoot it and I would shift just enough I wouldn't kill it and then I would be near it enough to get to it without having to try to dodge bullets between me and the the actual power-up I was trying to get. The other tip I'll give, I'll give too is um, when you first start each wave, until all the aliens on the screen, you will never get a power-up coming down. So there, you can button mash or turn your auto-fire on if you're cheating like Dave. I mean, using you know, advantages like Dave. <laughs> um, to, to, to just mow them down as much as you can. And once the full formation's there, that's when you'll start getting the ones that change the colors and start coming down as power-ups. So you can go absolutely berserk during the initial when they're all flying onto the screen to form the formation. And then you have to kind of a bit be a bit more picky so you can get your power-ups after that. Yeah, this is an amazing game. I don't know how he squeezed so much speed with the music and everything out of it, but this is one of the most impressive games I've seen. Yeah. Right, I'll give right, two other things that they're not... Makes a, makes a big right. difference. <laughs> <laughs> I'll that, give two other little bits oh. of information here that aren't uh, strategy-related, but uh, on the GoSub site, uh, he actually has some blog stuff that he did, like some of his original notes from writing the game. He also has a source code for both this and Crystal City up there if you actually want to see what he did and how he did it. And he also has uh, Xenix 3D for Windows 7 and Windows 10, which is his you know, modern-day Windows port of Xenix that you can also download for free and play that if you want to as well, which has, of oh, course, cool. much more modern graphics. So, I really like the Sundog logo, too, that comes up, the big red logo. looks pretty cool. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that because I actually have the original Ghost subversion here. That's what I bought at, at uh, Coke Rainbow Fest back in the day. So I don't, I don't have the Sundog logo on mine. So what are we playing next week there, Nick? All right. So if we're ready for next week's reveal, next week we're back to, um, um, we're back to Coco 123. And next week's game will be Glabber. All right. Awesome. One um, of my favorites. Another Mike Huey game who did Dra Draconian, right? Yep. And that Alcatraz too that Jason was showing off earlier too. That's right. I was really hoping for Tellerwriter 64. Oh, <laughs> uh, keep, keep hoping. It'll, it'll show up. And so, Grabber uh, is probably the only full multimedia game for the Coco 1 and 2 where it actually plays multi-voice background music the entire time you're playing, which is a real feat on a Coco 1 and 2. Yes, Absolutely. So, uh, so there you go, guys. This will be our, our this is this week's challenge is grabber. So go nuts, and uh, hopefully we get a, another good turnout this week. And thanks again for a great week this past week and everybody who uh, supports this segment. And, and Nick, uh, did you go through the little contest uh, that we had here this last week? The uh, for the uh, outhouse. Yes. Yeah. So the top three winners will receive a key to the uh, the, the uh, cover of the outhouse that. Uh, uh, Erico made for Windows, uh, so I'll be contacting you guys uh, about that through Discord. And um, thank you, Erico, for that. That was very generous of you to uh, to uh, give a little incentive to play this week. And uh, if anybody uh, during this week, if anybody has any cool uh, uh, videos that they might want to see highlighted on the show, just uh, post your YouTube links and. Uh, Especially, tell me where in the video you are uh, you uh, see one highlight, and I'll go through them, and uh, you may end up on the show next week. 
And uh, thank you guys very much for supporting us. And uh, that about does it does it for uh, this week's game on challenge. Okay, game on. Some game on news to cover too, so you want to all right, go ahead. Okay, let me get the right copy of my tabs here going. You don't play the intro? Uh, we did. Dude, there's no music though. That's okay. The heck was going on? I can do it again. Please speak called, amongst yourselves for a loose, moment. We are called loose cannons, after all. <laughs> where's we're the, where's we're the, a little looser than some uh, other times. <laughs> we need the crickets. Okay, thank you very much. I can't share right now, though. It's not letting me share, so you'll have to. All right, now you can. Okay. I don't know a ton of uh, game on news here, but a few interesting things. Are you guys getting the screen? Yes. Oh, yeah. I am. Yep. Okay, first up here, the Coco Show released their second April episode, which is featuring Speed Racer, which is a pretty good pole position style game with four different tracks. They've I uh, like the game and, and do a pretty good review on it. There's a few little bits of uh, trivia in, in there, too, uh, that you can hear about. Uh, also, to promote, once again, they've got their competition of a giveaway going, kind of like we did uh, this week with their Game on uh, game of the Week. Uh, they're giving away a uh, sealed, never-opened copy of Gunstar, the CD version. Uh, and basically, all you have to do is uh, hit the iTunes and give a review to the Coco Show, and uh, they'll be randomly picking, I think, in about two weeks. Uh, I, I, one of the people that have submitted it and you get a free copy of Gunstar and they're doing this worldwide. It doesn't matter where in the world, if you're in Australia, the UK, anywhere, you, you can enter this and they'll, they'll send it off to you. So, Next up, um, Michael uh, Pitsley on YouTube continues his rundown of the Disney multimedia cassette education games from the Coco 1 and 2 back from like the 83, 84 time period. What do you mean rundown? <laughs> <laughs> uh, this time with Mickey's World of Writing, and uh, we've kind of shown these the last little while here, but basically it's uh, a cassette multimedia where they basically have the program load up and then it's displaying graphics. But in the meantime, there's audio tracks on the cassette app that using the motor on and audio on commands actually will have speech and you know, Mickey's voice and everything else while you're playing the game, which is pretty cool. So this was a whole series that Disney did back in the early 80s. So I'll just show you a few scenes here. Curtis, were those done specifically for the color computer, or did other systems have that ability to do audio through the tape deck? I honestly don't the eyes know. Were years ago. There is that too loud, or is that... With the order of the Capitol That's good. Except me, the night of I. Yeah, I don't How recall if the Commodore 64 would let you play the audio through or not. I know uh, the app now. Yeah, the Apple doesn't. No. Now, all this is pretty unique for us. And Atari, and Atari both have uh, custom cassettes that are digital. 
Oh, so they wouldn't be able to play audio through either? Or? No. No. Okay. They they Oops. And the Apple the cassette strictly goes to the cassette tape uh, reader. Okay. So I guess these these might have been unique to the Coco Allen dance to kind of answer your question. I've, I've never seen them on another platform, but that doesn't mean that they didn't tr- attempt it and maybe just didn't do it with, without the speech stuff. But, but the, it's, it's a pretty impressive looking thing. Is I mean, it's multimedia from 1983, so that's that's pretty early on. Uh, next up, the Cuthbert Dragon YouTube channel has been doing their uh, videos of actually playing on a real dragon on a real CRT with a camera propped up in front of it. Uh, so they're doing a lot of stuff we've covered before. They're doing a lot of Coco games with the weird palette offsets because, of course, Pal didn't have the artifact colors, so you'll see some pretty strange color sets that we don't normally play here. But there was a couple there I hadn't seen before, so I thought I'd highlight three of them, play little bits of it. So the first one is uh, Boris the Bold. <laughs> I'll rewind it a bit here. He kind of blinks all the way through the instructions there, so uh, we'll kind of ignore that. It's a head with legs. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. So it looks like a fairly interesting game, an original one anyway, as far as I know. I, I, I don't know if that's a port of anything, unless somebody here knows anything that looks like this. Uh, I think that an Apple II game and um, they had an Atari version. There was one that looks similar to it, but the gameplay is slightly different. Can't remember what it's called, though. Yeah, I do know you have to make it to the bottom and then that says exit there where that little doorway is going to the next level. <clears throat> that looks like a pretty pretty interesting game. What was the next one I had that I hadn't seen before? Star Defense. I can find it here. And of course, they've added some more just today, so I my, my list is actually a bit out of date already. Ah, here we are. So this is a defender style game that I'd not seen before. So the dragon had a couple defender games we never saw saw in North America. But it looks like it plays pretty good. The explosions are actually pretty well done. They're nice animations. I, I wouldn't quite Pretty rank it with Guardian. Sound. But, yeah. Colors aren't too bad either. <laughs> I don't know if Nick Mar- Marantes would agree with you on that. <laughs> and it sports two players too, so it's uh, one you can play head to head with some people. Is that running slow? <laughs> what do you mean? Maybe the internet. I'm just wondering, is this uh, how fast it really is, or is it just the... No, this is real time on on actually playing it on live hardware. Yeah, but I'm just wondering if we're seeing the the correct speed. That's a bit sluggish. 
Oh, it's not sluggish here, so it must be the okay. connection. Anyway, it's a pretty, pretty, pretty decent version of Defender I'd never seen before. So sounds good. Yeah, the sound effects sound very much like Defender. And then the last one that I had on my list Let's here that was Breakout. Yeah, I'm just trying to find it now because everything's shifted around with, since they updated. Yeah, you said Breakout and Circus Adventure. Where are we here? If you see it before I do, let me know. <laughs> Go left. Is it alphabetical? Was up. No, this is in, in, in order that they've uploaded. And they put some more up just this morning, so it's kind of moved everything around. Oh, here's Breakout. There it is. This is a rather interesting take on Breakout I hadn't seen before. So um, I've just figured, you know, it's a, it's a P-Mode 3 Breakout game. Nothing, nothing special, right? The bricks actually scroll down onto the screen. Oh. So it's cool. uh, a little extra... And the ball speed, I'm not sure if it's dependent on the brick color you hit, but the ball speed can actually switch between normal speed and double speed. Which is another little interesting gameplay mechanic you don't often see. And if you get behind them, they ricochet. (laughs) Take out a few more. Yep, like that. Yeah, there's the red one, so now all of a sudden you're going double kick, and then if you hit a blue one again, it slows back down, so it's kind of got a... You know, a predecessor to Arkanoid kind of thing. Whoa, don't touch there. Yeah, that's when you hit the red one. But the whole scrolling on as you go, that's, that's, that's kind of a neat technique I hadn't seen before, so that was kind of kind of cool. There's that one. What was the last one there, Mark? Circus uh, Adventure. Okay. Are all these games downloadable from somewhere there? I haven't checked uh, the Dragon Archive yet, and uh, some of them might need some conversions. So we'll we'll have to see. I do, uh, one of the things I'm going to do this next month is concentrate on the games page. I'm also going to start trying to see if I can port some Dragon games we haven't seen and make sure they work in the Coco, like fix any keyboard issues. Or whatever. Now, Curtis, you already cover Dragon games on your site, right? Are you going to start adding more? Or? Yeah. Well, I'm going to port them over so that they work on both. That's what I'd like. Oh. I've been helping, you know, pair okay. port the other way, other directions. So. Okay. <clears throat> I'm just asking that your site would be a good reference for dragon people looking for background. Well, there's a lot of games in common between the two with, right. uh, that were sold between both. So, but some of them do need a little bit of patching to make them smooth on each. Okay. So this this one's a little uh, circus adventure, as it's called. It's kind of a low res text adventure, and it's actually meant for four to eight year olds. It's meant as a beginner's adventure, so it gets kind of cutesy in spots too. But it's it's kind of an interesting one. They've got some nice little you know graphics they draw there for the young kids at the time to try. And a little bit. I thought it was nicely presented and it, it doesn't actually have, you know, the, you'll know, get thing, you know, drop thing, inventory type thing. It's actually just gives you an, an option, like you pick one or two or three choices. It's more like a choose your own adventure style. So it's a bit easier for younger kids to, to get into. So I thought that was probably kind of a cool one. And I'm just going to take a quick look now that they've uploaded these new ones, see if there's anything else here. If you guys see anything that we've never seen before. Uh, looks like What's most it? Of those scramble. Are cool. That's uh, the Tomics uh, scramble game that was on the Coco 2. I think Mooncrest is the only one that was dragon unique out of the new ones. 
And I think we've shown that one before. It was actually an official arcade license. I think we showed it about January or something. So that'll do for now. But it's an interesting page to keep up on because they've actually got a few that you know, we haven't seen on some of the other Dragon YouTube video pages before. So, And speaking of the Dragon, uh, Rob's Retro Rambles did Cuthbert in Space. And of course, he's got his you know, uniquely humorous take on describing these things. And his you know, whole lava lamp and fancy setup there. This is Cuthbert in Space. Um, because I've been told I really should check out the Cuth... Cuth, Cuth I can't even talk. The Cuthbert <laughs> series. Um, so, so here we are. Uh, I think Cuthbert in Space is the first one. So, um, yeah. Seemed as good a place as any. It actually wasn't. And Cuthbert was a generic term. I mean, the, the, the newsletter that Dragon put up was actually a Cuthbert-related in name, too. And some of them were ports from Coco Games... Like, I think Trapfall became Cuthbert in the Jungle type of thing. And then some of them were original Dragon games that we never saw here. So I think this was one of the original ones. I'll just fast forward the actual gameplay a bit here. All the way through. Oh, that looks better, right? Um, Actually, maybe I'll go a little bit further because okay. you're still figuring out how to play okay. there at the beginning. You should be able to see that. Do I... J for joystick? Whoa, okay. Yeah, uh... Yeah, that didn't go too well, did it? <laughs> uh, nothing's happening on the... Do I have the joystick? Yeah, you have to switch the joystick first. Let me just fast forward a bit. Good thing so basically, you have to go collect the gold bricks, bring them back one at a time to your ship. Unlike, and as he later like discovers, you can actually fire and try to shoot the things that are trying to collide um, with you. And then there's also a bonus round where you're trying to collect falling things while dodging everything and don't hit the platform. Fast forward a bit here. And anytime you... Okay. Pretty decent sound. Probably meant to be speech of some kind. That's part of the demo. It's not brilliant, but it kind of works. Here he's figured out how to fire. But the thing, what? It makes a huge difference. This is when we have to collect the falling objects while shooting the things coming sideways at you at the same time. Anyway, he, he does really awesome reviews because he's kind of figuring out the game as he plays. So he eventually usually gets there, but he has a, a quirky sense of humor about it too, which is kind of makes it much more interesting to listen to. And then another Dragon user uh, also did a uh, Phantom Slayer playthrough here. And this is the first, they just started their page literally this last week and they've got some more modern games. And this is the one Dragon game they had on it. Um, we've we've kind of seen you know Drag Phantom Slayer multiple times before with Ben Drake, who's in chat as well. But uh, it was just kind of see neat seeing somebody else is trying out the dragon, and uh, they're in the UK, so I don't know if they grew up with it or not. Uh, but uh, I'm going to keep an eye on their channel and see if they've got any more dragon videos coming up, and see if they got some you know neat games there too. So, and just a brief screenshot for the old you have not seen Phantom Slayer before. It's 3D maze shoot phantoms type thing. So. Uh, this next one here, if uh, Robert's on the panel, I wouldn't mind him giving a bit of an update here. He did; a, He's doing a blog on a game board he's doing. Um, from, a, what is it, a NEC PC 6001, I believe? Yep, that's the one. So Jim Gary did a port of this game called Nostromo, which is arguably the first survival horror video game on computers from 1981. 
And uh, being a fan of the movie Alien, <clears throat> of course, naturally, I got interested in it. So I've been trying to go back through the original source code and port it over to the Coco 1, 2, and 3. And over the last month, uh, I spent a lot of time, as I say in the blog here, hitting the books on how the Coco 3 draws graphics, which basically is taking on the gimme chip for MMU, palette, and then the actual drawing into the frame buffer. So I kind of go through what I've been up to over the month doing that, figuring out how to get a video mode set up, get the base registers right, then work about on the palette. And, you know, once I'm able to do that, I tried first putting one 8K bank at a time up and writing into and out of that and using most of the workspace RAM for something else. And that didn't work out too well. So I hit, went back to the drawing board and set up a uh, full 24K screen. I talked to Nick Marentes a little bit about it over the month and, and got some tips from the pros on how you set up and deal with Coco 3 screens. And by the end, I get down to actually drawing the bits of the NEC font show basically you go through the iterations of trying to make it all work and they're generally failures. And then at some point, if you keep at it, you'll start to win. So I was able to start getting the NEC font on the screen. And by the end of the month, I had the entire font pack up and was able to draw in all 16 colors active across the thing. So I've got the screen is basically where I'm at and I can start actually drawing the game screens and move towards working on controls and stuff like that. So are you making a Coco 1, 2 and a Coco 3 version or did yes. you try the Coco 1, 2 and now you're switching to the Coco 3? No, I'm, I'm trying So in one of the earlier entries, I talk about bringing that same font image up, but on the resolution graphics six or what they call P mode four screen. So then even beyond that, I've got some just plain text versions. So I'm trying to do where the one binary, I guess what you called it was a fat binary one time. Yeah. One program can basically find out what kind of machine it's on and then pick the right display for that and then use the same game logic and routines to drive it regardless of which display is available. Okay, cool. That's, that's nice that you're actually doing it with... Uh you know, for all the Cocoa platforms, but also, you know, doing enhancements for the Cocoa 3 side of it. Well, a lot of the, I mean, just game logic and stuff comes from the, the original is basic. It's a basic program that has like eight different assembly language routines behind it that are handling the logic on a very slow Z80. The NEC PC6000 is known to be just a very slow machine. And it had extended basic like you would see on a Cocoa. So it has a lot of capability. But whenever they started trying to do anything interesting, they ended up going to the Z80 assembly to try to get it done quicker. So the, the alien AI is in assembly and stuff like that. So it looked like a really good candidate to say all of the parts that are hard can be done on all three platforms. The only difference between them would really be the graphics. Okay, cool. I'm looking forward to seeing this, actually. I haven't played it in any NEC PC 6001 games, so I've seen some pretty interesting ones from uh, well, I think High Retro Game MC Lord. If you have an yeah. MC-10... It's the same as the NEC Trek. Yes. <laughs> it, 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 well, yeah, mostly. I think there is some slight differences because of the ROMs and some of the stuff in the memory map between America and the Japanese games. But I believe the Japanese games will play on it, but they may not display right. 
but I'm not an expert on the NEC track. I've been using um, an actual PC6001 emulator. And the screenshot that you just rolled up is what it looks like on the original machine. So even though it's a 6847 style video chip, because it has additional character set ROMs, it's almost kind of like doing a Coco VGA thing. Yeah, I was just going to say that. And uh, getting all of the color and all of those images really starts to only become possible with the Coco 3's Kimmy chip, but you can get the game to look and play the same on all three platforms. You just get more and more fidelity to the original. So yeah, this that's what I was up to this month, and I'm trying to just keep some notes. On the Discord channel, there's been some folks asking about like uh, gimme MMU programming and things like that. So as I'm figuring it out, I've been sharing that. And so there's been several other people already riding along with me on this, which has been kind of fun. Cool. Are you doing these blogs like about once a month or is there a set schedule or do you just kind of do them as you make an achievement? Um, kind of all the above. I just started it <laughs> last month and had to do a couple of catch up posts that kind of ramped everything up on, how I got into where I'm at anyway, but I'm kind of aiming at about once a month. But uh, again, I'm trying to just steal from experts and Nick Marinti's puts his blogs up when there's kind of milestones and that seems like it'd be worth doing too. So if I don't have anything particularly milestone wise, I'll probably just do a fairly regular update. But if there's a milestone, then I'll, I'll hit that as well. And this just coincided with both because I've got all the screens up and running in all three machines and uh, it came up to right about the end of the month. Okay, cool. We'll definitely keep an eye on that and keep us keep us posted in updates. And if I happen to miss, you know, miss one of your blog updates here and not have it on the game on segment, just pipe in and let yeah, me know. No we'll we bring it up. Appreciate the shout out. Next up, and this could be a, a little bit of a discussion topic, I guess. Um, Erico, after completing the outhouse that uh, Nick had mentioned, was their you know the contest winner for the game on challenge this week for the top three players. Uh, now wants to do an actual real Coco game, and he figured that a good genre to do would be fighting games because there wasn't a ton of them for the Coco. There were some, and there's a few on the Dragon too that are, are, are a bit more unique. So he kind of goes through uh, some pictures that he put up here of some fighting games, like you know, Dino Wars is one of the original ones from way way back. It actually has you know 3D, and you get to walk in the distance and stuff. It's two player only. Um, pretty cool. This is Karate by Dicom Products, which is a clone of uh, arcade game, Karate Champ, I believe it's called. Yep. Uh, this is Kung Fu Dude by um, Sundog and Glenn Dahlgren, which I think was one of the last Coco 1 and 2 games that he did. And I, I happened to catch it mid-frame, so of course it divided this guy's body in half as it was drawing it. Oops. Uh, Come Guy to be Ninja, which is both a disc-basic game, and it's actually also included in the uh, Ease of Use Beta 5, uh, which we'll be talking about a little bit later on the show. So that's probably one of the better ones. Uh, Ninja Warrior, which is actually one of my favorites from back in the day. It's it's kind of cheesy graphics-wise, but it's a hell of a lot of fun. And it keeps getting more difficult, more things as you go. Not strictly a fighting game per se, though you do get to you know attack the people, but you're basically you know dodging and jumping and stuff too. Uh, this is uh, Knockout, which is a clone of Punch-Out. This is from Dicom Products, one of his earlier games from Dave Dyes. And WrestleManiac, which is also from Dicom, but done by Kevin Hoare. And this is one I never got that good at because there's, there's one of those ones where you have like 50 bazillion different joystick combos uh, to when you hit the buttons at certain times and move it in certain directions to make certain moves. And I never was good at memorizing all those things. Uh, 
So in the comments, they've been asking about, you know, what what type of a game or what clone of a game would you like to see? And also, has there been any other ones that he may have missed? Um, and I think I posted a few. I'm just trying to find them in the comments here. There's suggestions here. Um, like Champion, but Champion's not really a fighting game per se. There's It's more of a strategy game. It just shows some stuff. It's a superhero game. Also by uh, Sundog Systems. And then I'd mentioned the few in the dragon here, like the Shao, Shao how do you pronounce it? Shaolin? Not sure. Shaolin, yeah. Uh, Shaolin Master, which of which there was two versions for the dragon, um, which is also a karate style game, but with a lot more jumping moves and stuff. Actually, they look pretty good. And I, that's one of the ones I was thinking about trying to make sure I can port over to the Coco over this next month as I concentrate on the games page. That may be one that I might see. I don't know if it needs any patches to work or not, but that's one I'll definitely take a look at. Um, and there's another one that somebody did try to do Kung Fu Master on the Dragon 2. We showed it once before, and apparently it's either a little bit buggy or too slow. I can't remember. There's some issue with it. So that might be one I'll take a look at as well. Uh, first of all, does anybody on the panel know any other fighting style games in the Koga 1-2 that have not been mentioned on here? Because he would like to know if there's any others. And then also, do you have any suggestions for port that'd be a good thing to do in a Koga 1 or 2? Like, I think he wants to stick with the Koga 1 and 2, not, not make it a Koga 3 only release. So, you know, take into consideration the limitations of the hardware. Any suggestions of what games could be ported? He wants to do a semi-graphics port? Is that what he wants to do? Or uh, He didn't mention semi-graphics specifically, but knowing him, probably. There's been some suggestions like, I can't pronounce these names, Karateka? Karateka? Karateka, sure. I guess that's something to think about and uh, <clears throat> reply I back mean, to his uh, post. I mean, Dino Wars, people have sort of a, uh, an affinity to that game. That's one of the definitive Coco games. Yeah. It's a love-hate relationship, though, because a lot of people hate the game. that yeah. they, they used to you know, famously use it as a replacement card for something else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Myself, I always like it. Young kids uh, love that Chris? game. They just love it. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I'd personally say Dino Wars would be a good... Uh, I noticed Amigos, uh, uh, Aaron in the chat there mentions that something like Barbarian would be a good choice. Um, and there, I'm sure there's some Apple II fighting games that probably be a good choice too. I mean, Last Ninja is one that almost got finished, but due to tight deadlines and incomplete specs, it never got completely finished. And I don't even know if that's still around because that passed around a couple of the computer uh, Coco programmers back in the day with Steve Bjork being the last one. And it wasn't completed. And he did demo it once at a Coco Fest. There's actually a video of, of, done by Alan Huffman, actually, on my website showing it in in-game play as far as it had gotten. But I know his uh, storage unit got broken into afterwards, so I don't even know if that exists anymore. That video might be the only thing left. Well, there was also like Yair Kung Fu and International Karate on the Commodore 64 that have a pretty huge following. So it might be fun to see the Yair Kung Fu, for example, ported over to the Coco because that one had three different fighters going and you could have two players with still with a computer player. And uh, that's just a lot of fun doing roundhouse kicks and knocking everybody down. So <laughs> that one that one tends to always show up in ever the, the, the little collections and things. Yeah, I, I mean, please feel free to join the discussion on Facebook. Give him some suggestions. Like I said, I'm not sure if he's shooting for semi-graphics or if he's going to do a P-Mode 3 or 4 or something. Um, maybe just ask him that too. But uh, yeah, I'm sure there's some good suggestions there. And he's really, if, if he does a semi-graphics version, he's really good at designing semi-graphics. So 
it'd be really cool to see what he can do with that. Like he did. I'd kind of like to see a semi graphics fighting game because there's a screenshot out there where somebody had mocked up street fighter in semi graphics. that just looks like it would be fun to play. It's just not a game. It's just a screenshot. So yeah, I can't remember if that was Eric himself or that might've been Matchy because Matchy was fiddling with a lot of semi graphics stuff back in the day too. So and he was actually doing the programming behind. He was doing little demos and stuff. He had a pole position style game too. So yeah. Anyway, definitely join the discussion on there. Give your suggestions. Uh, if you can think of any other Coco or Dragon games that I've missed that are in the fighting genre that you can add to the list too, just so we know is what, what has been done already. And the last one here, uh, this can be a little bit of a discussion topic, or you can just go onto the Facebook page and add to it. Uh, Carlos Camacho is trying to make uh, a database of games and what ones required specific peripherals. Now, that does not include RAM. That's a separate section, like how much RAM it requires. But he's trying to figure out, you know, what categories of hardware were either recommended or, you know, a decent option for somebody, but not required for the game, or were required, like to say that, you know, the master, uh, Sega Master System light gun was required for the DICOM shoot 'em games with the gun. Um, so he's got stuff like, you know, if it has special options for the sound speech pack, did it, uh, you know, require a Gimme X or a Coco VJ because they're using special modes like Stevie's bomb game. Um, so there's a bunch of things there and he's been trying to get some, you know, feedback on it and people have been adding stuff and, 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 and mentioning specific games, like which ones require certain things. So there's a whole list of stuff he's compiling and then people have been adding on to it. Um, and also ones that are your know, optional, like, you know, you can play some games with the koala pad that, you know, would normally just use a black beauty joystick or something like that. So you can mention that kind of thing too, but, uh, definitely go through and, and add anything you've got there. I don't know if anybody hears any memories of games that required or really played better with certain specific hardware that wasn't the standard, you know, black beauty and a deluxe joystick type thing. I know the white trackball in my case for some of the centipede and Polaris type games really works well. That was one I, I would use quite a bit. Okay, if there's none on the panel there, feel free to join in the Facebook discussion there. And I'm, I'm hoping it publishes that database later so that we can all see, you know, recommended controllers for certain games and, and which ones required special things. And that's all I have for the Game On News. Okay, why don't we uh, take a commercial break and then uh, Curtis will do the news right afterwards. Sounds good. Are watching Coco Talk, the world's leading weekly video podcast featuring a candy colored computer. We spread the love to the past, present, and future for all models, including the original colored computer, the Coco 3, and the world renowned exclusive French Radio Shack. We'll return after these announcements. What's going on, everybody? The original gamer Stevie Stroh here, and I want to talk to you about Amacoconut.com. If you love the color computer like I love the color computer, then you got to visit Amacoconut.com, your one-stop shop for all of your candy color computer links needs. There you'll find links to blogs and podcasts and project sites and emulators and downloads and groups and communities. If you love the color computer, head on over to Amacoconut.com. That's I-M-A, Coconut.com. Tell them the original gamer Stevie Stroh. Joe sent you. Coco forever, people. Hey there, it's Andrew here with the Tandy Speech and Sound Cartridge that I won from Coco Talk Live. So uh, next time, make sure to tune in. It may change your life. 
Cocotou's got personality, lots of practicality, fun, it's sensational, learn, it's educational. Cocotou's expandable, so easily commandable. It's programmable, so term exam grammable. Just you and Cocotou do what you want to do. Coco 2, the color computer with personality from Radio Shack. Sale price for Christmas giving from $149.95. Radio Shack's Coco 2, do what you want to do. Just you and Coco 2. A boomerang memory board. Boysontech.com production. They came for us in broad daylight. Hungry. Wanting. One member, they say. More power. Proper design. At an affordable price. We took shelter. They were unstoppable. They're coming back for more. In 2019, what goes around comes around. Boomerang, 512 Classic, $15, 2 megabytes for $49. Available now. Boomerang Mania is real. Hi, this is Antonio Jimenez, author of such projects such as The TV Throw Devil, and the SD pack, and you are watching Coco Talk in three, two, go. From around the world, what you need to know. Get caught up on news with El Curtis. Hello, Muppet News Flash. Hello, everyone. Let me get my screen share going here. Oh, can't yet do it yet. You'll have to. Yep. Shut yours off. You're good. Okie dokie. Okay, first up, uh, Canadian Retro Things, who's actually joined us in the Discord, um, has got a couple of new videos up. Uh, the first one here kind of goes through um, using an iPad as his source for loading cassette-based programs and then he had some issues with it so we started going through how to you know tweak settings and stuff like that to uh, to get it to work and he's going like true retro you know using cassette based stuff to load his games and he kind of goes through a description of it and then uh, shows it actually working so if you're if you're using this type of method to load its stuff in uh, he's also got the real cassette recorder too but uh, there's some certain tweaks of settings of volumes and stuff that you have to do to make things work smoother uh, if you're using like a modern phone or a, a tablet device to do it, so it's a pretty good, pretty good video. I wonder if that would help me with my MC10 because I can't, I have a hard time loading programs in. It, it might actually, it might be worthwhile for you to check it out then. And he's also in Discord now, so you can ask him, you know, in in person if he has any you know, personal tweaks for what you're specifically hitting. Yeah. And then his uh, second uh, video here was going through his retro collection, and he's got uh, you know multiple machines which you can see here. So he's got an Apple 2C, I believe that is. Mark, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Sorry, yeah, and it looks like an Apple 2C, the original one with the five and a quarter drive. Yeah, and then an Atari, I'm not sure which model that is. Um, 
XCGS. He mentions specifically in the video. I just can't remember. Yeah, it's it's one, one of the later Atari. It's not the early 400 or six or 800. It's the, the game. 1040 or something, is it? Oriented one. 1040 ST. That's the last one. Let's see. Does he actually mention it down oh. here? Nope. <laughs> I, I think it's like an XCGS or something like that. More importantly, there's an MC10. Yep. <laughs> and, and the thing is, he goes through each of his machines. He kind of goes over, you know, what the nostalgia is for him on each one. And then he picks you know, which one has the best history with him and which one has the uh, most nostalgia with him. And, of course, the Coco wins. So we have to. Yay. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a good entertaining video, though, because he kind of goes through his history, you know, uh, you, you know, using computers as a youngster and stuff and when he got it and where he got introduced to each type, et cetera. So definitely worth it, worth a check out. <clears throat> Next up, our own Stevie Stroyer did a couple of videos, some informational educational videos. Uh, thankfully, none of them were about game playing because it'd be kind of short. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so his first uh, one here he did is for using a Wi-Fi card in the Coco SDC for development. And this is, of course, where you instead of just having a plain old SD card, you have to sneaker net back and forth between your PC or Mac development system if you're you know editing on a modern editor. And then, you know, taking it sneaker net over to your actual Coco SDC and trying it on the real hardware. This actually lets you transmit it wirelessly to the SD card. So he kind of goes through using some utilities that I think John Strong provided. From around the world, what you need to know. Um, I'll, I'll let him, when he's uh, on next week, maybe go through it in more detail, you know, and maybe do a kind of a live brief tutorial of it type thing, or you can just watch the tutorial itself, but... It's a pretty interesting look at the, uh, you know, the modern ways you can do development now with the SDC and not have to keep transferring cards back and forth between machines. And then his second uh, informational video here is on using Pi Drive Wire, DW Term, which Mikey has highlighted earlier, and BBSing online, which are all things he had never done before in the Coco. When he got into the BBSing scene, he was already on his Tandy 1000, so he missed the whole you know, ultimate term and Mikey term and Greggy term and everything else from back in the day. So he has a really good video here on how to get the, you know, Pi Drive wire running, which is Mikey's product. Um, and then using that shared connection to go through the PC to then uh, use DW term through drive wire to go Telnet BBSing. Um, and I think he's using the Coco 3 version of, uh, yeah, Coco 3 version of uh, DW term here, and, you know, with some of the ANSI colors and stuff, not the full ANSI graphics yet. And shows you how on to do that, all that. So. On that topic, I do, I, I'm, I'm being curious. It's probably not possible, but I wonder if it is possible to connect multiple Cocos to one uh, drive wire, or is it was that not a doable thing? Mikey, what's the answer to that? Because I don't have a clue. Multiple com ports will work. Hey, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm just, uh, I was. Uh, I was actually watching on YouTube. I just got the question. What was? <laughs> yes, you can. Yeah, multiple <laughs> connecting multiple cocos to uh, to one drive wire computer. Yes. yes. Oh, cool. Ask them for details because obviously I don't have a clue. Yeah, Mike, <laughs> you don't sound so good. You sound like David. I've got, I've got four cocos and I've got two coco SDCs, so I need to uh, I need I need a solution for the other two. <laughs> so I was thinking about connecting two of them to uh, to a, a drive wire PC. Well, you should connect all four. We yeah, should, you can do that. Just put HTTP uh, house in a ROM pack. I, yeah. suppose, I suppose I could do that and have the SD, uh, Coco SDCs in there at the same time, couldn't I? Yes. Hmm, excellent. 
I'll say about the delay. <laughs> I'll have to pick your brains about that, Mikey. I'll uh, I'll uh, I'll uh, get in touch with you during the week about it. Yes, and that's a good place for the Discord server because all these people are on there. And if you have questions, you can actually ask the original authors of the hardware and the software and you know directly the questions that you, you want. It's a really active community. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, will do. Uh, next up, Terry Trapp, who's active in the Facebook page, has actually been doing some COCA-related videos on his Terry's Workbench. Um, this first one here is recapping the entire COCO 2 and he goes through some of the history of his COCO 2 and going through it. It's over an hour long just to give you a warning there, but uh, if you're into the hardware electronics stuff and you want to watch somebody, you know, desolder and solder a ton of stuff on a Cocoa 2 motherboard, this is your, your this is your jam. Mm. I definitely won't play the whole hour in a, a bit here, but uh, <laughs> I'll just show you a few full the, screenshots here. So, Going for the record episode of Cocoa Talk? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll make that a segment. Um, <laughs> But he goes through like the chips on the board and he had to upgrade this particular one he'd received to extend a basic. So he shows you where that socket is and to put it in type thing. So it is actually a pretty interesting video. And then he did a second video here um, where he had a VDG that um, there's some corrosion on the socket. So it starts doing some weird things. And if he holds his finger on the VDG chip and pushes it down, so it makes a better connection, it clears right up. And as soon as you let go, it starts going snaky. Um, so in his case, it was affecting how the cursor looks. So I can find yeah connection. And, you can see um, it's flat. Instead of flashing colors, it's flashing through characters recall, like slashes and um, stuff. On the uh, uh, and there's a the picture of the VG socket. Uh, that would be like the top bit. In the chip, like it was. Uh, uh, yeah, the high bit for the. I think and, the green uh, pins kind of give it away. This this is just the rattiest color <laughs> computer. Too, okay, um, it is it is horrible. This, this thing was in super bad shape. I bought Not it as bad as um, the uh, Jason salt chip out of for my Coco three <laughs> or Simon's ant infested was it C sixty four? All right, you see that? Boom! Right back. So that's when he presses down on it, and then the he lets go off, and goes back. Goes away. Put the pressure back. There we go. Close <laughs> pin. It'll be so. It'll be. That's a little hack. It'd be a cool little hack to actually put a, make a mod to make it actually deliberately do that. Yeah, you could just shut shut the pin or the bit eight with the yeah. highest bit yeah. off or on. That's the data line. It was pretty cool, you know, diagnosing that. That that's one of the things that you can check if you're having some hardware issues, you know, you stuck bits or or that kind of thing, and and then a visual effect you can see from it. Plus, I'm just happy that Terry's actually doing videos. I don't know if he's done any previous to these two here this last week, but uh, if he's starting to regularly do Cocoa Hardware videos, I'm all for that. Has anybody thought of uh, making the um, OS9 prompt flash? Uh, you mean turning blink on? Yeah, because it doesn't, right? It's just blue. Well, the reason they did that is they wanted to be consistent across a graphics window and a text hardware text window. And on a graphics window, you have to manually redraw that every time. Oh. Which would slow things down, so that's the reason they didn't yeah. do it there. Uh, Makes sense. Now, some people have requested an underlying cursor as an option, and I might work on that in beta six. I haven't decided yet. Next one up, TJ Bay Chris, who uh, we put a lot of his videos on before, and he's actually joined Discord recently now too. So you can also talk to him about it too. 
but he takes a Coco 2 here, which he's got a Coco 3 keyboard slapped into it, and he actually takes out the RF modulator and upgrades it with Ed Snyder's composite board, which is kind of related to what Jason was mentioning earlier, I think. So here, you know, takes it out and goes through desoldering the original RF modulator. And the B is getting not fun getting smaller out of there as either. it goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was not fun. And this is the Ed's uh, or Zipter Zone, if you, if you want to call them that, uh, the composite board, which actually has an audio out jack on it too. Well, actually, what that jack is, that's like a, a headphone style jack. And then you need one of those cables that has two RCAs on it. So you have your audio and video on the same cable. And it's so oh, you don't okay. have to, oh, so you don't have to modify okay. the case. Right. So it still fits yeah, right, in the right, RCA right. jack hole. It works great. I have one. Okay, cool. I don't actually have one. So I have the Coco BGA. So that's, that's good to know. That's a Coco really 2B with the uh, T1 chip in it there, that XC80, blah, blah, blah. That's the T1. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. I had my composite board put in my T1 also. Yeah, it's a really uh, good idea using a six point, uh, 3.5 mil stereo jack for it, for the video and audio. <laughs> yeah, and there's the there's the uh, fitting into that sock or that slot, I guess, on the on the case there. We'll yeah. have to modify Ooh. the case and cut Who, things. Who's... Uh, composite board is that Zipsters Ed, Ed Snyder. It's Snyder. Yeah, yeah. I think he, yeah, I think he cloned it for the idea from the uh, composite board than the those modded uh, ones like Terry was showing or Brian was showing earlier. Looks like he finished his uh, liquid courage too for soldering. So, yeah, he mentioned that that's absolutely <laughs> necessary to doing these projects. So. <laughs> But he gets a really nice clear picture out of it. And as he mentions here, stop now unless you want to watch me my poor commentary on Tier City Color Baseball, because he basically starts doing live play-by-play -play announcement of the demo running. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he did apologize. His camera is not separating yellow and green very well. He said it looks much better in person than it showed up on the camera video here. So but it, yeah, it looks like a really clean signal. So it, it looks impressive, especially if you're used to the old RF noise interference you normally get on the uh, RF modulator. Yeah, absolutely. Now, this was an interesting post from Michael Pitsley, who we covered earlier on in an earlier segment on Game On there. He's the one who did the Mickey's, you know, multimedia game through the cassette deck. But this, he found this on eBay, and the, this custom mod, I have no idea what that is. And he was asking if anybody else might know it. And do you guys have any idea looking at that connector? I believe that's a better point. Put up the case and see what's going on in there. We're going to find out because I think Brian Weasler bought it. Hmm. Oh, did he? The, yep, that is correct. Yep, I picked that thing up. It will be here Tuesday. So oh, cool. We'll have to do a follow up next week then. I will do that. that be happy to. That's that's the uh, the outlet for the turbo blow off valve for the uh, for the overclocking. <laughs> I'm pretty oh, okay. sure that's I'm pretty sure that's the ever elusive Becker port. <laughs> yeah, the uh, it's the, the picture is not clear enough to see if it's like five. It looks like it's five pins that's on there, and the, some people were commenting that it might have been like a, com a composite output of some sort, you know, from the in internally, and they had their own custom connector. But uh, or I'll be sure to follow crank. up. Yeah, when, when you when you bring it on the show next week, maybe maybe make sure the screws are the case. You can actually show us the mod from the inside too, so we can get the hardware experts to chime Definitely. in on that. I'm really curious on that one. Yep. Mm, mm. Looks like yep. a pretty clean machine. Yeah. Yeah. It does. Yeah. It's, it's definitely an F board because it has the labels on the back as the black, you know, stick on stuff, not the you know etched in the plastic thing like the older Coco one and twos. But yeah, and, and this one here is actually a um, it's a three hundred two or a three thousand two, twenty six three thousand two. So it's one that I didn't have, and that was the main reason why I wanted to pick it up. 
but then this is just makes kind of an interesting little twist to the story. So yeah, you can yeah. another another giveaway that it's an F board too is it's got the silver surround around the keyboard rather than the black. The black, yep, yep. Anyway, I'm really curious about that. So yeah, definitely bring that on next week, there, Brian. I'm really curious to see what that port is. Maybe it is a heatsink. Maybe you overclocked it. I don't know. Inquiring minds <laughs> want to know. It's where you plug the nitrogen in. <laughs> yeah, like the <laughs> nitrogen. Tune <laughs> in next week to find out. Yeah, cryogenically cooled sixty-eight oh nine. <laughs> to be continued. Uh, this one here is uh, by Travis. Now is that Poppy Popey Pop? I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Anybody else know? I think he does Pope. Travis Pope. Pope. Okay. So the Pope uh, has this post here where he's showing his uh, his complete setup. Now, this is one of the cleanest, nicest Coco setups where he's actually got multiple Cocos all set up. He's got a Wyco joystick, which Nick Morandi's really like. Uh, he's got, you know, Ed Snyder's upgraded keyboard on the left there. Uh, multi-packs. His uh, Coco 1 and 2, which also has a Coco 3 keyboard in it, is actually playing, you know, Ed's... Uh, Media player for the uh, his sound his sound card chip. It's it's a really nice looking setup, and these are all upgraded to six three hundred nine. He actually made the our picture a bit artistic by doing it in black and white, which I thought was an in rather interesting thing for a color computer. Um, <laughs> well, it's got two colors. <laughs> well, it's got a bunch <laughs> of grays. <laughs> yeah. Did he did he not talk about the the, the tower as a repack or? Yeah, 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 yeah. They're all they're all cocos. Everything in there's a coco and a laser printer. <laughs> yeah, I never got a laser printer running on my coco. I did get a, a, a more modern Canon inkjet running on it at one point, a forty one hundred, which actually wrote custom software for it that was on my site years and years and years ago. But it's it's a really nice system. I like the fact he's got it. So you can instantly get to all your cocos all at once, fairly fairly easily there. Hmm. And a, and a mixture of old and new hardware, like older multi-packs, but with newer sound cards and Coco VGAs and everything else. So There's nice two towers of... that have been converted to Cocos in there, I think, isn't there? Both of them. I think they're both Cocos. Could be. I'd love to get them on the show, actually, to kind of demonstrate some of this stuff here. Because, I mean, Coco repacks in the 90s were done a lot. Like, everybody was doing them into big tower cases and stuff like that. Uh, but it's kind of fallen out of favor the last 10, 15 years. You don't see them much anymore. Yeah, I think as people have gone back to the retro, the original look. Yeah, I think like Paul Barton still does some of that kind of thing. But yeah, it's, Paul it's Barton has one. I know Frank Swigert used to, he had one that was actually a portable Coco with a built-in five-inch screen in a wooden case. And he used to bring it to Coco Fest every year, running on running off batteries. Oh, you, you know, the, the, the Mac G4s, the one with the, the, the rounded cases with the, with the, uh, the really cool-looking the G4, the follow-on to the G3. I've got two of them here. One of them still works, um, and it's got one of my Pro Tools rigs on it, and the other one was a spare parts one. Um, so I'm actually going to take the motherboard out of that and do a Coco repack into a G4 case. Yeah, that'd be a cool project too. Anyway, hopefully we can get them on the shore sometime to, to talk about some of his upgrades. Uh, next up, uh, Rick Bagwell on Facebook is asking for some help in locating Gemprint 1.1 which was a uh, print utility for the Coco 1 and 2 and older Gemini printers. Now, on the archive, there is the newer Gemini uh, drivers called Super Color Gem Print, which is for the Gemini camera. It's Gemini Rainbow or something. I can't remember the name of it, but it was their color printer. And he still has an old Gemini printer, and he wants to actually run this. And he's got the manual that he bought originally, but he's lost the tape over the years. So if anybody has it, 
you can directly contact them on Facebook and you know send them a copy or put it on their archive so anybody who wants to you know, run an old Gemini printer on the Coco can get it. Plus, it would be just nice to have the archive have both the manual and the software instead of just the manual. And just late in the week here, Coco Crew released their episode 59, which you can now download and listen to. This features the uh, part two of their interview with Mark McDougall about his night lore port and also includes an interview with uh, George Dorner. Um, I have not had a chance to listen to it yet because we released uh, Nitrous 9 literally the day after this came out. And then I've been b busy answering questions like crazy on it on every single piece of media I have. So uh, I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. But uh, I know the Mark McDougall part one was a pretty interesting interview. So I'm definitely looking forward to listening to that. Uh, this one here, I'm not even have a clue how to pronounce this name. Arturo Aguilar Aguila? No idea. Arturo Aguilar. I don't know the last one. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, not. you mentioned that he rescued this beauty, as he calls it, which is basically <clears throat> a Coco One, you know, the last 64K model style case from a university scrapyard. And this was one of the uh, the clones that was done as the Micro S. Is that an EP or CP? Microsep. BP, maybe. Oh, like what? yeah, right. Look at the, look at Microsep. the badge. SEP? Oh, yeah. Okay. SEP. Now, it has a Coco 3 keyboard, which is a little bit strange. Yeah, right. So maybe it was just upgraded, but it's been well-worn. You can see, like, the F1 key is quite worn or something's been spilled on it or something, but... Uh, it looks like there's a chunk out of it. Could yeah, be. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> hmm. It wasn't the, the scrapyard, after all, it probably got crushed under some other things, but... Uh, the top left-hand corner of the case, too, looks like it's got a bit of a there's something going on there. Yeah. Some of those keys look a little weird, like Q and R, A. And yeah, like the R look like it's row. depressed, like it's lost the spring or something like that. It's sunken. Q, yeah. same definitely, thing. Definitely had a lot of use, that one, by the looks of it. Now, is that is that a brand like a, there's there was a lot of clone brands in, in Central and South America because um, you know, nobody wanted to pay Radio Shack for stuff. But um, is that a brand that anybody else here has heard of? Like we've heard of the CP400 and a few others, so obviously, but that's not one I remember hearing about before. <clears throat> no, those were uh, uh, distributed for school systems, public school systems in Mexico. Oh, OK. So that was actually an educational one, kind of like the educational Coco we talked about earlier. Yes. Okay. Okay, the cool. The thing that got my attention was there was a clone of the Color Computer 3 as well. Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Is that the same company, the Micro SCP, or was that something else? Yeah, that link he posted has like a timeline, and the first half of it is... <clears throat> oh, wait. Rogelio's actually got one. I'm going to stop sharing and let him share this. Uh, I don't know. You can share back to me later afterwards. I don't know. Yes. Now, is that the 3 clone? So it's yes. just a repack three with a different label. It's the three. Oh, sorry. Oh, check out the bottom. That's cool. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Totally different stickers and everything. That's oh, a cool sticker. It, Very nice. Yeah, but it's, it's just a repackaged three as far as we can tell. Yes. Uh, the, only, the only difference is the ROM. It has oh. uh, the uh, banner that comes up on power and uh, power up. It's uh, has some legend in Spanish for the okay for the school program, but everything else uh, more or less is the same. So I'm planning to uh, get a dump of the ROMs and put them somewhere in the archive, maybe. Oh, cool! Um, and I see the warranty seal has been broken. Yes. I, 
<laughs> I opened it. <laughs> Very nice. Um, Thanks for so sharing how, that. How how popular were these in schools in Mexico during the day? They, um, at least I know that the college school I attended to back in 84, 89, they received like 30 of those units. Uh, monitor, the computer, and the tape recorder. Um, they were supposed to also receive disk drives. Um, but by then, the, it was a government program, so it really faded out really fast, and they moved into uh, compatible IBM PCs. So what happened to all that stock of computers? I was surprised to see this post on Facebook because I hadn't seen anything from anybody else. Um, maybe a lot of those computers are just... Uh, wasted away in warehouses, if they exist at all. Because I'm talking about uh, these computers were 1984, 1986 at the latest. So it's been a long time. Okay, that'd be cool if they're still around, though, especially with the custom ROMs. Yeah, I'm going to try to do the dump this week and uh, post it. Okay, cool. Thanks. And thanks for showing off your Coco 3 one. I didn't even know that one existed until just now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that silver sticker looks really cool. Try to get some pictures too of everything in there. Cool. And Al Huffman, you uh, want to kind of describe what we're about to show here? I'm going to show the, just a little clip there, but I'll let you talk first. All right. Oh, okay. So um, there's a uh, YouTube shows me random things, and it showed me a, a Knight Rider video recently. And it was documenting a Knight Rider display that was at Universal Studios in Hollywood from a, the mid 80s until about 1995. And you could go and sit in this car and have your picture taken and actually have a conversation with the Knight Rider kit car. And while I was watching the video, these the video is of guys that were coming out to refurbish the car and, and give it a detail makeover. While he's sitting in the car, the cameraman moves around and goes over his... Um, side and it looks like a color computer running the audio spectrum analyzer and i found another close-up later on in the video it's definitely audio spectrum analyzer they just covered up the bevel so it doesn't show the writing and i found an earlier photo online that actually showed the colors correct so that monitor had just worn out so between this and somebody in the Facebook group saying they saw one in a kit car on display at a car show it looks like whoever was building these uh, was putting Cocos in it. So somewhere in there, there's a Coco. And this particular vehicle, the Knight Rider historians say, was screen used. It was actually used in an episode of Knight Rider. Then it went off to be retrofitted for display in the amusement park. So I'm hoping to contact them and find out if they know the company that did it and see if anybody remembers uh, going down to Radio Shack and going, this will work. <laughs> <laughs> And from watching the video, it's actually doing it live. Like, it's not just displaying a re pre-recording of audio spectrum. It actually reacts to the voice of the guy in the car. So it's actually running live. While mm -hmm. Yeah, there was, a, there was a remote operator that would talk to you through it. And you can hear them while they're working on it, talking about what bad shape the car is. The guy that's operating the car voice is going, yeah, they don't take good care of me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. And if I remember correctly, some of the people that commented that they'd seen this display back in the day actually were in Australia. So this must have toured worldwide type of thing. I think they had like 30 different cars. They were kind of clones of each other. But uh, I think it was Chad Edwards that mentioned that he'd seen yes. it. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. Was and David, I think you, you said you saw it too, but you never got inside the car back in the day. But yeah, see, it's, yeah, it, 
it was at, it was at Expo in '88, and uh, we saw it there. Yeah, but what's interesting is there were multiple versions of the touring car because they have another video that I watched getting excited where they got one and they took it all apart to restore it. And it had a completely different inside. It did not have that TV screen or anything. It had an actual dancing red lines that looked very much like the one from the TV series. So, and it just was playing a musical loop and the lights would bounce, bounce to that. So there were multiple versions of the touring car. And um, that makes it really confusing because I want to find out who, what company did this. Cool. I, I did get to sit in one of those. I went, they had it sitting out on a little island at Universal Studios. That's the one. <clears throat> yep. I, I remember sitting in that. I've got a picture of me in it somewhere. I'll have to look and see if I can find that. Do you remember if, if Audio Spectrum was in that at that time, Terry? It, yeah, I, I re actually remember thinking it, that it looked a heck of a lot like my Coco screen, but uh, I, I'd completely forgotten about that. So I'll, I'll look. Hopefully, I took a picture of that screen a little closer. And Alan does have a, a better picture, a better screenshot of the screen actually on on Facebook. So you know, please follow up on that. But it's a really cool bit of history, and it's you know one of the other places where the Coco showed up in Hollywood, besides like Revenge of the Nerds and. Some TV yeah, jump, shows and stuff. Jump to 43 minutes. 43? Yeah. There it is. Somewhere in there, there's uh, right around 43 minutes is, is they uh, get in the car and there's a pretty good close-up of the screen. He'll pan over in a minute. So yeah, it's, it's just curious. Yeah, it's, it's just curious that, you know, somebody there knew about this program and I, I want to ask Steve Bjork if he knew about this because he was a local and went to Universal Studios. I wonder if he ever cared about Knight Rider and found that one of his programs was on display at Universal. There it is. Uh, to the right, oh. to the right. Uh. <laughs> I wonder if Steve was involved in actually um, commissioning it, maybe. Well, that's what I'm curious about because the company he was working for got – brought in on all kinds of projects because they were in Hollywood. Hmm. That looks like the Spy Hunter console there. Oil slick and smoke release. <laughs> <laughs> Oil slick. <laughs> it's too bad the video videotapes degraded a bit there. That keeps fuzzing out, but yeah, they used to tour those cars at the uh, auto shows and you could pay a few bucks and sit in it and get a uh, photo taken. But uh, when I did that, all the internal displays were off. So yeah. yeah so I, I'm going to write these guys. I commented once about it and see, cause they, the guy that has Knight Rider historians owns this vehicle now. Here we go. So he would have known exactly what was inside. Cool. Hmm. That's definitely a bit of history, though. That's a, that's a pretty good feather in Steve's cap, too. Absolutely. Anyway, thank, thanks for uh, sharing that, Alan. Next up, we got a couple stories out of the Dragon Group uh, from Tony Jewell. <clears throat> so his first here is uh, photos of his Wi-Fi-enabled Dragon getting onto the net uh, using the CompuSense view data software. And it actually, you know, pulls up a weather report, which actually does a kind of a chunky graphics here showing the UK. And he's got his dragon, of course, painted black with a, mi a mini MPI on it. 
So it's kind of following what Steve did, you know, logging in online with, you know, with the older equipment here, or Mikey's doing with, you know, through DriveWire and our Pi DriveWire and, and DW term, kind of the similar, similar situation. And then his second one, I thought this was a cool project. He's actually got a power supply here that he cuts slots in so he can actually make, basically make it into his own, you know, multi-pack built into his power supply so that's kind of an interesting <laughs> that's an industrial strength multi-pack you know made out of metal that's the way real men do it so <laughs> it looks like a light. it's a metal pack <laughs> what's that uh, sticker on the front looks like a laser <laughs> it's a bit hard to tell it's really small here but looks like a laser uh, this warning says disconnect uh power supply before removing removing covering oh, okay this this is the Tandy tradition. We'll put the RAM in with the power supply in this other box and we'll run a cable over there. <laughs> of course, the only real reason I'm showing is because he's running Nitrous 9 on the screen, of course. So that I had <laughs> the hardware is just <laughs> incidental. I like his Black Dragon, too. That looks really cool, though. It's a nice Curtis's hidden stuff. agenda. Black Dragon. The Black Dragon does look nice. Let's put the video chip next to the power transformer and see if we can get nice black bars across the screen. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I kind of wish after seeing his, his after seeing his black dragon, I kind of wish the dragon themselves had done a black case because that colored sticker shows up a lot better that way than it did on the old beige case. To be honest, yeah, it does, doesn't it? That's the only black one I've ever seen a picture of. Me too. It looks good. Looks good in black. Yeah, I have to agree. I know we see some cocoa. One. I mean, Ron, you have a black cocoa, don't you? Yeah. Yep. Painted it back well, in the nineties. Rolling that's Stones not, got to it. That's yeah, not meant to sit that way, though. It's Pardon sitting me? on yeah, its side. <laughs> that multi-pack is sitting on its side, and it's also we're looking at the back end of it. Because yeah, look at the right. rubber feet. The rubber feet are on the side of the uh, multi-pack. Yep. Oh, yeah, so yeah, 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 for the power supply, yeah. It should yeah. be tilted up, and it should be spun around so the power cord's out the back, so the slots are actually from the right-hand side. Yep, and you got to reach around the back to turn it on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like I just that was a really cool homemade drive. project, yeah. though. That was that was an interesting. Yeah, I've never yeah, seen yeah. a multi pack sure. done that way before. That's a big multi pack too. Yeah, he could add extra extra slots there. David would be so happy. <laughs> Dan has got room for at least uh, four more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Dave always said he wanted an eight or sixteen slot multi pack. So Dave, there you go. There's the the plans are in place, and that would be just enough. Probably <laughs> not for him. <laughs> he wants to plug in everything at once, yeah. <laughs> including uh, the multi pack. <laughs> this is an update from Tormard Volden, uh, who's in charge of the Nitrous Nine repo. Uh, this is not Nitrous Nine related, though. This is. Uh, a port of CMOC, the latest release, 0.1.65 for Windows. Now, normally this has required the SIGWIN environment, which, you know, some people don't use that particular environment, so it's kind of a waste to have to install the whole darn thing just to run CMOC. So this is here is a separate version that he's made that no longer requires SIGWIN and meant for Windows only, so you can come download it if you want to fiddle with the CMOC C compiler and don't want to have to fiddle with all the SIGWIN stuff, and you run Windows, this is a perfect opportunity. Just, just put this up, I think, this morning, actually, so... Any of you people interested in doing CMOC development, go grab it. Uh, this is another one that just showed up this morning from a new member, and I don't have a clue to pronounce this either. Um, Seox Komazoa. 
no idea. But he's showing a, a 64K Coco 1 that he's got here, but he's got some really interesting joysticks I wanted to kind of highlight and point out here. Obviously homemade, but that's a, you know, industrial design cases kind of matches the uh, the multi-pack we just looked at on the Dragon because it's like metal casing with, you know, floating, mm. floating sticks. And one has Radio, a little white knob and one doesn't. Radio Shack sold those parts. The P-Box and the joystick innards were both available oh. at Radio Shacks. Oh, so these are actually Radio Shack official parts and I didn't realize that. His stickers coming off though was Radio Shack sticker or uh, the badge. Badge is coming off, yeah. I just thought it was a rather interesting joystick uh, solution. Let us see. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Is that a RAM badge on the right hand side? That's unusual to have the uh, 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 um, F board with the um, with the uh, Tandy badge in the middle and a RAM badge yeah. on the right hand side. Yeah, I wonder if you put that in by hand afterwards. Yeah, it might have been too. Because yeah. it does say 64K Cocoa on it, which I don't think Radio Shack ever sold one that showed that. Oh, the no. silver one. And I think sold, some, somebody in the Cocoa community is actually selling 64K badges like that, so he might have bought it afterwards and then sold it. <coughs> yeah, I think yeah, they Carlos, sell Carlos, them threes. Carlos Camacho is, is, is doing them. I've got a bunch of them here. Yeah, right. That's who it was. I was trying to remember the name. Mm-hmm. And the last set of stories here is, of course, we finally released Nitrous 90s of Use Beta 5, uh, you know, only about four or five months late from my original plan. Um, <laughs> on the other hand, we got a lot more into it than our original was planning on, too. So that, you know, it's kind of, you know, give and take. <clears throat> so anyway, it's available on my website for download. And it's the very top set of releases. You can download the 639 609 versions. Uh, Bill Noble's working on the Matchbox version. If he's still on the call, maybe you can give us an update on how that's going or how far he's got to go on that. I have submitted uh, it to the archive as of this morning. It wasn't showing up. I haven't checked in the last couple hours while the show's been on, so may might have shown up by now as an alternative download site. Um, Bill, if you wanted to just comment on the Matchbox version. Well, the Matchbox, I've got it up and running, but it's got a couple of issues yet. Uh, the VDG games don't seem to want to launch. But, okay, uh, is that maybe a plug in the matchbox itself, maybe? Or? I, I'm not sure there exactly yet. I've got the IO Man and uh, the VTIO patches in that you've updated me on. And for some reason, they don't want to go. It comes up with an error, can't open window. Okay. But the regular window launching works fine? Yeah, everything else works fine. Okay, well, after the show there, maybe I'll see if we can dig in and figure out what's going on there. Because I do want that. That was one of the major updates to the release is that G-Shell can launch VDJAPs. Can you launch them manually? Does that work? Or have you tried that? Uh, I didn't try launching them manually yet. Okay. Anyway, we'll, we'll do that offline because I don't want to bore people to tears here. <laughs> <laughs> And then related to the Nitrous Line launch, and we're going to have a big discussion, and, and people are going to give us their first impressions of it, uh, both from a new user perspective, people who have not used Nitrous Line before, people that have used it in the past, and want to see what's different in Beta 5 type thing. We'll get into that. But uh, the first thing I wanted to show here is that Terry Steggy actually did a video on how to install both VCC 2.0.1e itself and the Nitrous 9 EOU start to finish. Show we how to set it all up and get it up and running. I, I won't play the whole video here. I will also mention there's no sound in there because as Terry said himself uh, in the comments, he hates his own voice. 
So uh, he put it up. I don't know why he keeps guesting on here and talking then, but he does. If you're brand new to it and you don't have a Coco 3 or you just want to try running it in the emulator before you dedicate it to throwing it on your SDC card, you can actually go through and uh, you know figure out exactly how to do everything. Installing VCC, you, if you already have it, you can skip that part. Uh, and then now downloading, installing the actual Nitrous 9 uh, STC image and uh, the floppy image for the emulators, both MAME and VCC, and then actually get it up and running. So it shows you booting, manually typing in the time until we get some drivers going. And then you know, a quick demo of running G Shell, running one of the demos, which we'll probably just do live on here for anybody who wants to show that kind of stuff. And you're hopping back and forth between a few apps, including Alan Huffman's Game Invaders Online. So uh, Mark has posted the link to that video. So any of you that want to try it and kind of just, you know, don't want to go in, you know, completely dry, not know what you're doing. Uh, you can actually watch his video and kind of get, uh, you know, some tips without commentary to, uh, to get it up and running. Hey, and that's I have, I have one question. Oh, sure. How, how hard would it be to create just a config file that has the uh, current time of your computer of your, if you're going to use VCC and then have that just be, connected when you boot up Nitrous 9. David, I think you've experimented with that before, haven't you? Uh, sorry, just repeat that again. I was just... Uh, oh, David, David Ladd, I meant, sorry. <laughs> I should have oh, said that. okay. Because <laughs> I know there, there is some emulated um, real-time clocks in VCC, and if the driver is installed for those, it should be able to just automatically grab. No, I haven't tried that myself. And David I Ladd... I have not gotten around to trying it out because I've been kind of busy with other stuff. Okay. So, no, I thought maybe you tried it in the past, like, you know, the last few years, because that, that functionality well, has been a VCC for years. Because um, it emulates it is, the Cloud9 RTC, doesn't it? I don't know. The, on the repo, on the actual repo disk images, there's all kinds of different versions of Clock2. So you can pick to your heart's content. Okay, but it it should be feasible. I mean, the, the emulators do support some of the real time clock chips in you know virtual hardware. So if, if that works and you install the right clock driver, or if you have a get time utility like we put on this one for the smartwatch, you can actually tell it to set the system software time based on the hardware time. In which case, yeah, you don't want to type anything in. So it's definitely possible. Right. I haven't tried it myself yet. Yeah, my uh, my uh, reproduction of the smartwatch module that is in my RS two thirty two pack. Um, is working fine because I tested that with the uh, smartwatch modules that you put in um, the binaries, I should say, not the drivers. Um, and that works perfectly fine in the startup file. Okay. Now, I think we'll take a brief pause here for a commercial break before we get into the discussion and the feedback from everybody who's tried it. Uh, any questions, any comments, um, any you know, brickbacks, brickbats and bouquets. Uh, but we'll give everybody a bit of a break so they can you know, rush out and grab a coffee so they can stay awake during this next segment. we <laughs> <laughs> <Way to> sell it. <laughs> we'll return after these messages. My fellow Americans... Australians, Canadians, Europeans, and all of you ands, I'm calling on all y'all 
to help us make the world great again by visiting the Retro Swag Shop at 8bit256.com where you can get yourself a coffee mug like this with a little cute cartoon character that says, I'm a cocoa nut. You could also get yourself a coffee mug like this with a color computer 3 that says, I'm a cocoa nut. You could get yourself a, a deluxe travel mug like this with the Coco Talk logo on it. You might even be able to get yourself a DVD like this with over two hours of gameplay. Goodness, it is time for us to rise up and make the world great again by enjoying some quality retro merchandise and Coco nostalgia. So please visit 8bit256.com and let's make the world great for the color computer. Thank you very much. Good morning, Coco Land. This is Brian Schubring with Music Man here at the Coco Fest, having fun, fixing issues, and making things roll, and making lots of sound. Have a great day, guys. Baby, there's something I need to talk to you about. Remember when we first met? Everything was so easy, and it felt like nothing could stop us. But now, everything is such a struggle. And <laughs> if I'm being honest, you're really starting to show your age. Can I get the check, please? Break up with 512K. Use two megabytes now with Nitros 9 Ease of Use Edition. Ease of Use. Download EOU today at lcurtisboyle.com Some people have big plans after school. You know what Elliot's gonna do? Jeff, too. Elliot's at work on a book report using Scripsit on Radio Shack's Color Computer 3. It hooks up to his TV. And Jeff's at his Radio Shack Color Computer 3 playing the newest football game. But wait, what's Elliot doing playing new Super Pitfall? And Jeff's having a blast with a new math tutor. You never know what you might try with more than 100 programs for fun and learning. Radio Shack's Color Computer 3 comes with everything you see here. Other items each sold separately, only at Radio Shack. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. I remember the days of grade school when on the playground we would talk about the latest computer and console games. Until one day when a kid told the teacher he was having a blast with his new math tutor. After he got out of the hospital, he changed schools. Greetings, YouTubers. Atari Leaf here, and you're listening to Coco Talk. I guess that's my cue. <laughs> is, my, is this my cue to go to bed now? <laughs> I thought you were sleeping the whole time because you didn't make any comments. So. <laughs> So anyway, I, I like beta five. The the biggest thing we added for the user, I think that's going to be most noticeable. The most people off the bat, Bill kind of hinted at before, is the fact that you can now natively launch VDG based apps, which is most of the commercial games, both level one and level two, uh, for Coco one, two, and three games. Uh, basically, right from G Shell, it doesn't have to have any you know intermittent you know launching sub program that changes window types and like the old days. So they actually launch a lot faster than they did before. Um, it's based on a new system call we added, which is that's one of the more technical things. Uh, that type of stuff we'll be getting back to the repository. David and I have just started working on getting the source code cleaned up. So uh, Tormod is planning on doing a 3.31 official release of Nitrous 9 from the repo. So some of these underlying changes, system call changes, system call enhancements, system call additions, 
uh, optimization, especially for the 6809, will be coming to the main Nitro. So if you're the hardcore, don't want to fiddle with the GUI type stuff, you'll still be getting some of those same upgrades on the Nitro Sun repo. Um, the list of the uh, change log between beta 4 and beta 5 had 53 items, I think, on it. So I'm definitely not going to go through all those here. Um, but basically, if I can just get uh, maybe some feedback from people that managed to download and try it, uh, both people that have experienced it before, and uh, you know, any comments on what you know what we've changed, um, and anything that's been optimized, etc. And also from new users, like you know, David O'Connor was mentioning, he's never really he's booted it once, or twice before, but he's never really tried using it before. Uh, and then people like Nick Marandis who normally just hate the thing. So um, <laughs> it's kind of sitting on everybody's perspectives on it. Um, what do you guys think? Oh, fresh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess we should pick pick an order. Uh, so whoever raises their hand first, I'll let Mark uh, pick who's doing first comment. Well, I'll, I'll, well I'll I don't see any I'm hands happy. raised. I'm happy to comment. Um, I've got a hand raised, but it's just not visible. Well, there it is. Oh, Somewhere okay, here. David. Go ahead. <laughs> Okay, yeah, well, uh, yeah, I'd, uh, I don't know whether you want to maximize screens or anything there so we can see what's going on in my screen because I've actually got it running there. So, yeah, um, I've, I've learned the press clear. There we go. There it is. <laughs> um, my first um, experiment with Nitrous 9 was, uh, was just the regular version, and uh, I loaded it up a, few, you know, a little while ago, and, and I got to the cursor prompt, and I thought, oh, now what do I do? <laughs> oh, interesting. I, I, I typed DIR and I thought, oh, yeah, I can get a directory listing. And I thought, um, all right, well, I'll try some of the commands that I know and none of it worked. And I thought, mm, all right, looks like I've got to learn a whole new thing. Um, so this one um, I downloaded literally a few hours ago and uh, set everything up here and put it on the SD card and, and launched it and uh, and maybe I should just, I'll just reset this because then it'll go back to the boot screen. I'll just do this. I'll go back in and this is what I was uh, met with when I uh, turned it on. Um, I got the time thing and then I, did, I just skipped that. I just pressed Enter. the button. Yeah, yeah, I'll make a quick mention here that if you're if you're just going to be playing around with things and running things, then entering the time is not that critical. That's more for developers or people doing their own projects. You can you know timestamp things to figure out you know what's the latest version I did. It also helps with the C compiler and some of the assemblers. They actually, if you're doing large projects and you've got several chunks of source code and separate files, it'll actually keep track of which ones have been updated and it won't bother reassembling the whole darn project again. So it saves you a lot of time as a developer. But anyway, go on. Mm. This screen here is the screen that uh, that I really appreciated. Um, there's a description. There's some things to do. There's what, you know, what do you type in, and it's uh, to get to the main user interface. And uh, this little thing here. If you wish to change the monitor type, you can type it from uh, from the GUI G shell, or you can type monitor la di da di da. Um, and then I said, oh, type G shell. I thought, oh, all right, I'll try that. So I did G shell. Oops, right? double Still Oops. won't work. <laughs> G S H E I, I guess I have to add typing tutor on there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I did that and I waited and then I got this and I thought, oh, that's good. And then I didn't have a joystick plugged in, so I didn't do anything. I thought, oh, there's an arrow there. I must have to plug in a joystick. So I did that. And then I, oops, press that button. I pressed that button and I got all this and I thought, oh, this is actually pretty easy. It is actually ease of use. And, uh, I thought, what am I going to do? I thought I'll go in here and I look. I thought I saw demos and I thought, all right, let's go into demos. And um, I did that. And 
I thought, oh, bounce. I know bouncy balls. And uh, so I tried bounce 96. I thought that's that, that's probably the one that was the uh, had all the, the fancy one that was just talked about last week. So I loaded that up and I got this and it's like, oh, that's cool. And um, so, yeah, I was able to to get the graphical user interface up and to, and to poke around with directories and to play around with a few things. And one thing I, one, um, one hurdle I did run into, I ended up with, with, with like a number of screens and, and, and a couple of the, uh, a couple of the uh, applications I couldn't exit out of without resetting. And I thought, Oh, what do I do there? Um, yeah, that's on an app by app basis, and it depends. Like there, there was no standard back then, so some people did Control Q quit. Some took Control C or Control E or break. Uh, Flight Sim did what was it? Control Alt Right Arrow or some weird combination of keys. So basically, you read the documentation of the original ones. Most of the uh, the third party software and even the Radio Shack first party software, the manuals are all in the archive. And if you download those and take a look at them, it'll tell you usually what what keys. Modern uh, multi-view style apps will actually have the like the menu bar on the top. The app itself will have a menu bar, and you just go files quit, just like you would expect. Yep, yep, yep. Did, you, did you exit the bouncing ball? Um, uh, 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 that, that one there, ball, I think, one... automatically exits on clear, doesn't it? That one. Yes, it does. Yeah, 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 right. yeah, yeah. So uh-huh. I went into. I went into simulators, and uh, simulator was one of the first ones I was experimenting with. And I uh, went into Flight Sim Two. That's what I'm doing now, and launch Flight Sim Two. That was the Rob Inman icon there. <laughs> Analog RGB monitor. So I'm running this basically on a Coco on a on a, on a PAL Coco Three. Um, so the PAL um, Coco Threes take their signal off the RGB board directly to the composite output. So what we're seeing here is composite output from a Pell um, uh, Coco 3 on my Sony broadcast monitor. So it's a pretty clean signal, although the camera doesn't really do it justice because it's a bit flickery because it's a, a CRT. Um, but yeah, so I typed in A, um, demo mode, did that, and up that came, and uh, it was running. And then I did the uh, the clear between them, and I thought, oh, yeah, I can go between those. I thought, how do I get out of this? And I tried pressing break, didn't work. I tried pressing um, a few other different combinations, shift break, and I tried a few different things. And and uh, then I learned that um, you know, the Curtis that you explained to me earlier on, if I press control or left arrow, it escapes it. Um, it's the so only overall, program I know that requires a three key combo to exit. Just to, mm, yeah, that mm. was just flight some two. <laughs> That's what they chose. Yep, yep. So, hey, so David. far from. Yeah, yeah. David, could you show us how to go to uh, the documents and show us how to read a document? Uh, I can. Well, I haven't done that yet, so let's try it. I'm going to the docu- I guess documents folder here. Um, load up. That's spot. So I click on one, and it's you know get an error. Yeah, you don't double click documents yet because there's no assigned uh, editor for it. Most of the time, you just uh, click it, single click it, and then you just go to files list is what most of them do. Now, unfortunately, some of the docs are formatted for 80-column screens and other things too, so it's sometimes a little hard to read. But but yeah, so if you wanted to list one, you can just click left click once or okay. red so, button click uh, once. So what one would I click on here? Anything What's anything specific that should be? Metris 9 one. one. Uh, no, don't use that one. That one's a kind of a custom. i got to re- switch that around. That, ignore okay. that one. Right. Uh, try so Mint Ed. That's one of the editors built in. And it's not right, a very so, long so one. So left click and go files. Oh, yeah, go open. Uh, li- list. Oh, whoops. I pressed open. <laughs> All right, files, list. 
Okay. And space so, bar to continue, it auto pauses each screen. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right, right. Now, the help system is something we're probably going to radically change in, in beta 6 because there's a better help command that uh, has some more options and stuff here that I might fiddle around with. So I just didn't have time to do it. All right. So to actually launch this, what do I do now? So it says press any key there. So I guess that exits that menu, does it? Or Yeah, just press the key. Yep. Okay. So to actually view that text file, what do I what do I need to do there? You just well, you just did view it. Um Oh, that was the text file. Okay, right, yeah. right, right, right. I get you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, it's just the directions for one of the editors that are built in. We have a few there, so people can choose whichever ones they like to to work with the best, or which ones they're comfortable with, rather than you know, force everybody to use one. Yeah. Okay. And then I discovered I went to click on. I was doing the Windows thing, so I tried clicking on 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 DD again to go to it, and that just took me back to uh, that. Just refreshes the screen, which actually isn't really needed anymore because it actually is smart enough to tell that if you've modified something in that directory that you're viewing in another window somewhere, it'll automatically refresh it without yeah, any yeah. user intervention. So you have to do the close box to go back one level up. Yeah, and I discovered that, and I clicked on that, and I thought, oh, yeah, that's pretty easy. The multi-view manual is, is available on the uh, our Co-Color Computer Archive, which has a lot of the details in this, though we're gradually changing some of these, too. So It, would be, it would be cute to throw an A for view in that directory in docs. And then most yeah, I've got to figure out how to do that, go. because view does not run from a G-Shell overlay window, so I'd have to make it some special... AIF icon to tell it to use view. And plus, well, I mean, sometimes when you're editing it or looking at a text file, do you want to edit it or do you want to view it? And, you know, some people might want to double click it and it actually brings it up to edit, you know, basic nine source or, you know, some novel you're writing. And other people just want to look at it. So I got to figure out some way to make that user friendly so you can actually decide. Yeah, I remember it caches. So the path to madness is what path do you take to get to the data and which AFs did you pick up along the way? So yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm running this on my uh, on my fully expanded, um, full of Ed Snyder stuff, and uh, it's a it's got the Ed Snyder keyboard. Um, actually, I'll just move my camera down here. That's featured yep. this Coco on on uh, multiple episodes before. So uh, I'm running that's running a uh, 6309 CPU and and two megabytes of Boomerang RAM. Um, and yeah, that's. It, um, the ease of use edition, I was actually able to get in and do things with it, which is something that you're I was You're the second Australian who said that, actually. Oh, so that's good. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, and the other thing I wanted to do was I knew that uh, Nick Morantes, I knew you'd put you created some icons. And I thought, well, I wonder where your That trash can's are. amazing, isn't it? <laughs> oh, that's yours, is it? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, he never <laughs> fails to mention that either. It's a big trash can. Going horrible. to games. Kind of looks like Gunstar, doesn't it? <laughs> okay. Can I Level shoot two? the trash can? <laughs> Level, Level two, two games, I guess. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. And what do we want to look at here? Uh, go to arcade. Maybe try rescue and practice. Yeah. Hey, Curtis, we have a question from the chat. Okay, shoot. Uh, it says, "Great system. Only question: How do you change the background color of the G shell screen away from gray so it stays that way?" Um, you can do it through the control panel. Or you can edit the env.file in the sys directory, which actually has gshpal0 through 3, which is gshell palettes. And it defines four of them. Currently, we've got it set for grayscale. It is set that you should do it darkest to lightest. 
in that order. So zero should be your darkest color to three is your lightest color and, and you know, get brighter. It doesn't have to be gray. I just picked that because it's you know fairly easy to calculate colors. But I know Bill and I have both experimented with like reds and yellows and cyans and mixtures of different things. But as long as you follow that dark to light, the 3D effect should still work properly. So yeah, I, I actually went into this. This is one of the directories I went in, one of the first directories I went into, Nick. I actually went in here and, and played around with a few things, loaded up invaders, loaded up Texture and, and a few and, and Tetris and, and whatnot. And uh Run the yeah, Coronas. Ah, yeah, the Coronas rescue, or rescue I mean. would probably be the uh, rescue's the most sped up for the six or nine. So yeah. Rescue. Yeah. Okay. You can also switch to 80 columns too. Look at that icon. <laughs> <laughs> That's your icon there, is it? Yeah, yeah, he doesn't want to see the game. The icons only wants to see them. So. Okay, that's enough. Go to the next one. <laughs> Turn that, yeah, that wonderful music down. that they did back. Yeah, that's pretty loud. <laughs> okay, and I'm, I haven't crashed this yet. So. Well, I sort of have. <laughs> and if you press the clear key, you can go back and do, run uh, a command line still. Or another program or whatever, yeah. Or another program. Yeah, well, it's still running in the background. Yeah. yeah. And you're, yes, getting, and you're getting killed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, some, some, games are, some games are smart enough that if you hit clear, they're auto-pause, like they know you're going off the screen. And then there's other games like strategy games like Zone Runner or something like that. You actually do want to let it running because sometimes you know a move takes 20 seconds to complete. And if you're bored, you can switch back to Blackjack and play a few rounds and then come back to your game. Oh, I'm not quite ready yet. Go back. Actually, now that hmm. you've run that for a while, Exit out and run the other program, um, re uh, Rescue and Fractal, uh, Coronis Rift, and just compare the frame rate. What's the, uh, the, the is it Control, control Q on this one? I think quits. I control Q, yeah. Uh, no, it's not working. Uh, um, shift Q? No. Or, sh or is it break or shift break on this one, maybe? Looks like we're back know. on like. Yeah, shift break. Works. There it is. Ah, there we are. Yep. Now go yeah, back standards. Up. I wish we had them back then. Yeah, go back a folder and open up the. Um, Everybody has their own. Let me just swap my joystick back over again. Uh, also, if you yeah, want to try the eighty yeah. columns, uh, Dave, and see what you think of that. I actually did. I tried it on the LCD monitor, but now that I've got my good Sony monitor plugged in, let's try it. Let's go view eighty by twenty-five. Oh yeah, that looks heaps better on this monitor. It's actually readable, and that's composite output. It actually looks good. Uh, yeah. And uh, res uh, Coronis. Uh, Coronis, yep. Oh, another good icon. This whole demo is a vanity of, project for Nick. That's enough of that. Yeah. Icons for <laughs> yeah, it looks pretty good. Good narcissist. More of that. Uh, more. <laughs> I'm really impressed with the PAL composite output. It's 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 way better than than uh, NTSC. NTSC composite. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I will totally agree with that. <laughs> oh, I've got to press the button to get this to do something. Yeah. Do I, or? Have you yeah. got the other yeah. joystick? Oh, uh, the other. Yeah, I'll go and get it. Hang on, I'll be back. That in might six be months. better. Because <laughs> you need to come back up. to the. Uh, the yeah, some of the one. games. Some of the games will let you select the joystick, like hit a button to select your joystick, and, and then other ones were hard coded for certain sides, like like this. And, all right, let me go get, I'll be back in a tick. I'll just get my other joystick. Well, whilst, whilst he's getting that there, any comments from anybody else who's tried it out, uh, thoughts? And it's a just good trash uh, can. much faster. The whole Nitrous 9 loading up and going to the G-Shell is much faster than I remember from the previous versions. 
Very nice. Okay, thanks. Uh, Rick Eulen, you had your hand up. Yes, my end of use comment. I took a Cocoa with two arbitrary size floppy drives, this 25-year-old stream DAC up, and here it is on the thoughtfully provided blank floppy drive in beta 5. So thank you, kind sir. That saved me <laughs> all kinds of time and driver re I'd still be in the middle of RBF super and stuff. I had to do, do it same myself. Rift. Okay, <laughs> now I got I have no idea. Same rift. Go to the same uh, rift. Oh, yeah, I like yeah, same yeah, rift. Yeah. That's the easiest okay. way. Now compare the the flying. Uh, so what? So what do I do now? <laughs> uh, move, move, yeah, there you are. Oh, okay. Now you can move, you know, forward or back with the joystick. If you push way to the edge, uh, you'll start moving. Oh, right. Okay. All right. Now this has a more advanced engine than Fractalus has actually added shading by distance. So oh, mountains cool. and hills that are further away are darker green. Ooh, we're gonna pull up. And so this has been optimized a little bit for the six three nine, but not anywhere near as much as Fractalus was. How do I get it to pull up? Oh, yeah. Okay. Right. You can only climb so steeply. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The big improvement with the EOU is the fact that I can run, say, Coronis Rift, exit, and then run Rescue at Fractalus. Whereas before, you know, you had to reset and reboot and everything. Everything's running in the one environment now. So yeah. it's integrated all those, all those uh, OS9 programs that Tandy sold all work under one environment, whereas the way Tandy sold it, they were on a separate boot disk. You had to reboot every time. This is more working within the operating as as an operating system. Oh, yeah, I shot something then. I don't know what anyway, I shot. Anyway, I shot something. Yeah, that seems good, right. yeah. yeah uh, same, same buttons to exit, I think. Yeah, the same as Fractalus on this one because it was written by the same author. Ken uh, Rogue. Was shift here, wasn't it? No, no. Shift break, I think, wasn't shift it? Shift break, break, I think. Oh, shift break, that's right, yeah. Yep, 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 it is too. Yeah. Once once yep. again, yeah. please download the manuals for the, uh, the you know, the uh, Tandy apps and stuff there because, like I said, every company, Epics, had a different way of exiting than Sublogic, had a different one than Broderbund, et cetera. So the manual will tell you how to, to get out of it cleanly. It's a good icon. <laughs> 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 Just in I'm case really no one saw it. <laughs> <laughs> I really like this 80 column view. It actually, even on composite, it looks really good. It's really clean. It's really readable. It's, um, uh, I got one last gripe. Go to the X and uh, bring up the clock. Yeah, that's got to be patched yet. Unfortunately, yeah. that was written in C, so we don't have source for it. That's a uh, bear's butt. Uh, it's not Frick impossible, it. though. I actually managed to patch some other C programs here late in the cycle. Yes, see the semi. So I might be able to figure out how to fix this. That's the wrong. Oh time yeah, as right. Well. Yeah, I, haven't put, I didn't put the time in. You didn't set it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it doesn't. It's not Y two K compatible. The original G clock. <laughs> I no, mean, technically, it, it's still correct internally. Like the system time, if you typed it in, actually, it does keep up to twenty one fifty five AD. It'll work fine, but uh, it doesn't display uh, properly. It's hard coded for as if you only had nineteen hundred to nineteen ninety nine. Now, of course, that clock would have lost time while you were running all those games. Nope. <laughs> it actually holds it? Yep. That's IRQ okay. driven. So Pretty darn it, close, it actually. Uh, the, only, the only time it'll lose time is if you're running anything that shuts IRQs off, like yeah, that bouncing ball demo. Games. And, yeah. and playing sound like WAV files and stuff like that obviously would do it too. So. Yeah. Or the floppy oh, no. controller. Yeah, the oh, floppy done. controller. So, so who's going to update that at in when we get to 2155? 
Curtis, of uh, course. Yeah. <laughs> volunteer Mark's grandchildren myself, but uh... <laughs> the same guy that's fixing Unix will still be around. <laughs> <laughs> So the AM and PM, what do I put in there? I've got, uh, so I just type A or P or something there, do I? Or yeah, just type or... in AM or PM. Oh, actually type AM. All right. I can't even remember. Like I know the the the, the set time one oh, yeah. actually handles certain things too. So Yeah, that worked. I didn't set the date, so it's, the date's wrong, but, <laughs> but the time's right. So uh, yeah. Curtis, if you put um, Deskmate on, the, on this uh, um, thing, where would it go? In apps or would it be in... Um... Yeah, that Decimate and Decimate 3, I probably will put on apps. That, that's beta 6 because I have, we have no time to test Decimate to make yeah. sure it's stable because there's quite a few of these I had to patch just to, to get it to run from G-Shell because they weren't designed to run from G-Shell in the first place. In fact, some of them were designed to run on 128K machines only. So when you ran it, even if it let you exit cleanly, it would exit by chaining to a shell. So you'd have two shells sitting on top of each other, interfering with each other. So I had to patch, you know, a sub-battle, I had to patch... Fractalus, Coronas, Carmen San Diego, and and Deskmate doesn't Deskmate doesn't use the uh, G Shell libraries, does it? It has its own. No, it had total, totally on its own. It came out yeah. G Shell itself, MultiView the package. <clears throat> if you read the manuals for Ascent Level Two, which were released in late '86, like right around the 1987 January mark, they had references to some of the G or MultiView stuff, but MultiView itself wasn't ready, and in fact, it didn't become ready until almost a full year later. It was actually late. So uh, a lot of the stuff that was written before that had no idea about it. And plus, you know, people required 512K to do anything useful in that time. There was a lot more 128K Cocos than, than 512. So they took a lot of shortcuts. I just yeah. I noticed here as I'm pressing the clear key, I'm, I've got two versions of shell. Oh, actually, it's... Yeah, the, the window number should be different. Like if you look in the prompt, it should say W2, W1 or something like that. Yeah, 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 it does too. Yeah, that's W1, that's yeah. W2. Yeah, okay. If you type so is that yep. it'll list all your programs and what windows they're running under too. So, oh, okay, yeah, even that—that's that—that text is really readable, even though it's out of a composite output. It's that's really clean. Yeah, it's not is quite it, coming through on our end that way, but <laughs> that, that's the key. Yeah, it's a, you, yeah, you got some more. I'll just see if I can move that. Yeah, the Moira patterning from the. Yeah, you can see it a little the, bit as you got closer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll bring it right up. Oh, That's no, pretty sharp that. for a composite. Yeah, at least it's not upside down. And the colors are right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, yeah, it's yeah, that's good. It's really good. It's really readable. So yeah, I have to say the ease of use certainly lives up to its name for me. It's it's um I was able to actually get in and, and you know make it do things, uh, which is what that I was my comment. Could, so just <laughs> just for review, well, what do we do with the H1? We can subdivide that into d directories for our own stuff, you say? Yep. It's basically a blank drive image that I've included with Beta 5. It will not be included on future betas. It'll be a separate download for people that are new to Nitrous 9. And then I'll just be updating the main hard drive image. Now, eventually, once the main operating system and all the apps and stuff gets stable, because they're quite large updates, um, Oh, I will eventually be issuing upgrades to the OS itself as floppy images. You just run an installer and it'll just modify your hard drive image without screwing around with anything you've changed or set on the main hard drive. But since the upgrades are so major right now, like you know, adding Sierra games and adding all these other games and uh, applications and updated libraries and manuals and everything else, 
um, they're just too large to do that way as a distribution. So we're just replacing the hard drive image each time. But H1 is totally free up to you. I will not be replacing it. So you can make backups of settings you've made to the main system. You can make your own projects if you want to do some programming in Basic 9 or save your pictures and whatever else you're drawing or whatever whatever you're doing, you can save on that drive. And you have 128 meg to play with there. So hopefully it'll keep you busy for a while. Yeah. Oh, one question I did. Huh. One question I did have, I went into the music folder, being a musician. <laughs> yeah, um, that, that I haven't got all set up yet. So the sound but, one yeah. is working. You can do sound samples through the sound folder, but the, the music one isn't fully set up yet. Oh, okay. Let me let, wait for this to load and I'll get out of that. And I'll go back to the sound folder. Do you remember that BCC and OBC, OBCC still don't support two hard drive images, so you'll still have to futz with I, I have been talking to Walter Zambody on that. Uh, he's okay. going to see if he can get it working in OVCC fairly soon. And then push it back for BCC. That'd be yeah, great. That's what we're hoping for. Take, that's probably a pretty well, large directory. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's taking ages here to, to launch this one. The other I think question I had was uh, it has a BBS folder. Is there actually a fun functioning BBS in there? Bill, that was left over from when you set up the original images when we first started. Do you have any comments on that? Because I honestly haven't looked at it. Okay, what was that again? Does the BBS folder actually have a full functioning BBS or is that something you were just experimenting with? Or? Uh, that was just uh, the Keith Alfonso BBS file uh, that I got from the archive that I put on there. They're not actually set up, but you could probably get it working. Okay. Okay. I mean, I'm I'm in the sound folder now. I did actually go into this sound folder before, um, and I I, uh, I tried to icon. I tried to get it to <laughs> tried to get it to play some of these, and I clicked. I, I double clicked on them, so maybe I, I'm not supposed to double click on them. Yeah, no, double click on these, so it should work. Um, Cocoa Talk Wave. That's right. a long one. Yeah, that takes a full two meg. Okay, it'll take a bit to load. But while yeah, right. David's loading that, I'll go back to the BBS part. And actually, I'm going to be putting ribs probably onto beta six. Cool. That's, That's a FireNet compatible one. Yeah. Have yeah. you talked at all about your release, your re release plans oh. going forward? Pardon me? Oh, it's working. Have you talked at all about your release plans going forward? Uh, it depends what you mean by release plans. <laughs> like, how many more betas are there going to be? Uh, what, what, what do you think the cadence is going to be? What are some of the things that you need to do to, until you get to, until you can get to like a real, you know, full GA release? Okay, there's going to be multiple more betas yet because uh, there's a lot of stuff we're going to experiment with. You know, get user feedback and see if this is proper. Like, there's some modifications to the OS that Bill and I are both planning. We have to make sure they work. I don't want to pre-announce anything here and you'll know, give people false hope. Um, <laughs> the not? one I will mention, because we <laughs> mentioned before, is we're going to try to get the uh, software high-res interface running. Um, but I'm worried that because it has to shut RQs for a fairly lengthy amount of time to be able to get the precise timing, that it might chop up the multitasking too much and actually make the that's whole actually, system sluggish. So we'll have to see how that works. That's surprisingly good quality. Actually, for, for 11 uh, for 11.025 kilohertz, Sample rate, it's uh, it sounds pretty good, yeah. And I it, it does, Dave, but it, remember, it actually shuts down OS 9, <laughs> yeah. Pauses, well, yeah, yeah, yep, 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 okay. Yeah. But, uh, but it's working, it's, it's playing well. But, but back to cool. Michael's question, I mean, uh, the, the thing that's going to trigger it going from beta to being a complete, you know, an official release, 
uh, is I want to get as much of the third-party apps pre-installed, set up, ready to run from MultiView, so that basically you have a complete, not just OS 9, but you have a complete system with you know graphic editors and word processors and everything else on there. Uh, you can just double-click everything to run it. So that that's going to be the ultimate thing. And there's quite a few of those programs that have to be patched to run properly. Under We're not going to run out of memory, are we? Uh, memory, no. Hard drive space, that's starting to worry me a bit. But I've, there's some stuff I can clean up that uh, is on there now that we use for testing that we don't need on the final release. So that'll help. Um, so that that's the main thing that's going to separate the two. Uh, there's a lot of operating system level stuff that Bill and I want to work on over the next couple of betas. Uh, one thing we are going to try to concentrate on this next one here is getting DriveWire integrated in here. Yep. Um, the other thing we want to try to do is try to get level three working again because that frees up system RAM. And especially with launching okay. VDG-based app games, especially level one ones, that sucks a lot of system RAM and you'll be running out. Like If you try to launch two level one games right now, you can't because yeah. there's not a system RAM. And the level three upgrade will help fix that. But that requires changing how DriveWire actually works. And it's the reason we haven't put it in yet because the user experience kind of sucks if you're trying to do both at the same time. And that's a massive change. Yeah. So that, that's another one we're planning. But there's a whole bunch of other you know, more minor things too. So, uh, yeah, okay. Go ahead. So the, 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 the music folder, I noticed it had some like lyric files. You know, so they're obviously MIDI files and stuff like that, song files designed for, for, for running in, in the music apps, obviously, mm-hmm. I'm assuming. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like the MIDI apps, there's there's uh, some MIDI player stuff that uses the Bitbanger. There's MIDI stuff that if you have a MIDI driver for the other hardware ones, like the one Jim's doing now, we'll run through that. If you want to edit the uh, files, there's uh, Ultimuse for editing uh, some you know MIDI files. There's Lyra players. I don't think there's a Lyra editor in OS 9, but I have to get all that kind of stuff set up. And Basically, yeah. we put uh, the stuff that you see icons for are the stuff we've tested and make sure it works. And then there's okay. some other folders that are like future plans we didn't get to yet, but they don't. If they don't have an icon that looks like a real icon to click on, not a generic one, they're probably not ready for prime time. Mm-hmm. But if, if you know what you're doing and you're familiar with some of those apps, you can actually manually run them and, and do them on your own yep, yep. type of thing. But I didn't want to promise you know stuff that's not easily, it's not ease of use yet. I got another question. Yeah, Chris. go ahead, Ron. Um, let's say you're in the um, pictures folder. And you mm-hmm. go to the CM3s, and you you want to is it, would there be um, somebody have to come up with a software program to actually page through them all, or, or is that you know right like now you have show? to click yeah right now you have to click on one and then it shows it and then you go get you know I mean yeah right now the slideshow would be a different program yeah different program right now they're all set up to run the view program because it's a one app that views it's like the projector on on DOS where it can view like a whole whack load of different formats. Mm-hmm. but it's that program is not set up to do slideshows. Now I know the VF format and a few others actually do have slideshow options. So, I mean, I could change them to be custom, but it'd probably be, you know, because you're, you're signing an extension to run this program, no matter what, it's kind of like the old windows, you know, where it tries to load in a text file in WordPad or notepad. And sometimes you may want to use notepad plus plus, and you have to do some things to get it to do that. So uh, Bill and I are just kind of discussing if there's some way we can try to make that a bit more user-friendly. But basically, you, right now, you assign an extension to one program. And in that case, we're using Vue because it's the fastest viewer, and it also does all the formats, so I only have to worry about one program to run for all those. I'm not worrying okay. about debugging like a GIF viewer and separately from a VF viewer, separate from a CM3 viewer, et cetera. Okay. But there are some, so some programs on there that do do slideshows. So cool. whereabouts is uh, Basic 09 hidden? 
Well, basically, I don't have an icon for yet because basically, you can you can run it, you can edit. Some people want to edit in a separate editor. Some people use the basically editor. So I'm not sure how I'm setting it up yet. But if you just go to a, a shell in another window and just type basically, it'll fire up. Oh, okay. It's that easy. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah, right. So now that you'll definitely want to read the manual because it's a little bit different than this basic. But I could just do it. Much different than this. This is. I should be able to just know oh, yeah. what? Oh, what? <laughs> Print hello? What? <laughs> yeah, that doesn't work. Yeah, you're in the yeah, command mode prompt edit right mode. now. You have to get into the edit prompt, and and you know it's a it's a little bit of a learning curve off the start. So I'll just warn you. So how do you get out yeah. of that? Uh, if you're at the B prompt, you just type by the word by. B Y E. Oh yeah. Okay. But if you want to run uh, this basic, you can do that too within OS nine. Yeah. You said. Yeah, it's a little yep. quirky. I mean, Rob and I are trying to figure out some things there because sometimes the cursor shuts off for no reason. And what is it? RSB. It's, yeah, a, RSB. it's under uh, emulators. RSB off the root. Emulators. Uh, yep. So if you're on a screen like he was and you want to clear the screen, do you have to type display C? Uh, you can type CLS too. I run the uh, window one. Don't run the VDG one because that one sucks a lot of memory, and you're running some other stuff, so it probably wouldn't run anyway. So, oh, yeah, this one. Okay. There is a CLS command? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Now, now do you print whatever? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's working. Yep. Cool. There are now some limitations on this version of BASIC. Um, your maximum BASIC program is smaller than regular disk BASIC. I think it's 24. 4K even with the P-Clear equivalent of a P-Clear zero type thing. On the other hand, you can call actual OS9 system calls and some OS9 commands from this. So you can actually do some stuff you can't do under RS-DOS too. So. No, can I have to say print mem is, is giving me 19.7 um, instead of, was it 24.7 or something? For, yeah. for, for now if you type basic. dir, I think yeah, I have a demo. It's because of that top vector page. Yeah. P-Mode 4.0. Yeah, don't run P-Mode 4 because it's kind of boring, but uh, each screen 2 oh, should run briefly, but I think it makes the cursor disappear for no reason afterwards. Now, you can chain programs, though, can't you? So you could break your basic program into modules. Yes. Well, basically, 9, you can. Uh, RS-DOS, I don't know if it keeps variables and stuff intact when you do that. Mm. Oh, yeah, it's working. Oh. Can you save? And there your to, cursor disappeared. So I don't know why it's yeah. doing that. <laughs> Can you yeah, save yeah, a yeah. program uh, in Basic 09 to your yeah. H1? Uh, yes, I, I can't remember the exact syntax. It's a little bit different in RSB, but yes, you can. Okay, cool. And you, if yeah, you want to get out of RSB, just type DOS. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. There's a CPM emulator too. We only put one little program. We demonstrated that last week, though. It's it's a pretty slow one. I'll probably throw a few others on there. I'll let you guys try it. And if it's stable, there's about four or five other programs, including Turbo uh, Basic from Borland or what were they called back then, um, and some other stuff there too that Turbo you can Basic run. Or Turbo Pascal. Uh, I think it's Turbo Basic. I've got the handy. Okay, Turbo Pascal is Borland's big big one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we are we are online now, aren't we? I'm not just not seeing Coco talk on the on Zoom at all. That's all. Yeah, yeah, no, we're well, on. we are online. Yeah, okay. And we have twenty-five watching. Cool. No, my first impressions of um, of ease of use is, uh, like I said, it definitely lives up to its name. It's, um, and it hasn't crashed. 
No. And you've run a few things as yep, a novice. Right. Unlike Windows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the best selling point ever we, for this We don't year. see that blue screen of death. Yeah. I know you guys so lost just, it on the stream here because the Windows machine crashed. It's hosting it, but the Coco kept on running just fine. So, yeah. I got a, I got a question now. If you go to Another disk one. and uh, you go to format. Yeah, don't open the floppies there because they're. I don't think you got anything mounted, so. Yeah, I did drive zero and it's come up with a list of directories and stuff. But uh, yeah, that's, that's your drive zero. Uh, anyway, sorry, go ahead, Ron. What were so if I if I go to disk and then format, that's for a floppy and drive zero. Uh yeah, DD is your hard drive, your main one. Don't format that. Don't format that one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> H one, your data do drive, that. if it's already pre-formatted as it is, but once you put start putting stuff on it that you want to keep, then don't obviously format that either unless you want to wipe it out. But yeah, you can you can the format floppies. Okay. There's also a RAM drive uh, built in. I haven't got that in 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 you know built in off the bat because I don't know if people are running only five twelve k. They don't have a lot of room for a RAM drive. Uh, but if you have two meg, you can and is slash r zero and format that, and then you can you can get. I can't remember what the default size is, but you can actually set up the geometry to match real floppies, like number of sectors, number of sides. So if you wanted to back up a forty track uh, floppy disk. You could back it up to the RAM drive and then actually tell it to back the RAM drive back to real floppies and, and then do it all in one pass. And you just basically let it rip and you can make duplicates of uh, you know real floppy disks, including 720K, three and a half, and whatever else you wanted to do. Ooh, didn't like that one. Free work. Uh, I went into Win95 and I pressed fault wave. <laughs> it came up with a fault. Yeah, Win95, <laughs> actually, that was pointed out to me after I released it. I forgot to put an icon in there because it's, it's one of those ones that... Uh, doesn't is isn't intuitive as to how you should run it, and uh, I forgot to do that, so that's that's my fault. You can actually run it manually from a window, but now that was one of my suggestions too. See, if you look at that screen that David's on now. Of those icons, you click on those and they give you errors um, yeah. because it, there isn't a proper icon. So I suggested to Curtis is to add an option if if it's possible to add an option in G Shell under the View menu whereby you can choose to, by default, it only views icons that are icons that run a program. But if you want to view every program, and there's an option there that says view all, and then it shows all the icons. Because for most people, you won't need all those other default icons. And as you saw, a lot of them will just crash. Yeah, so, some of them are text files. You're it's actually a list. good idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they can be set up, but at the moment, yeah, they're not. And for most people, they won't need to access them. So I thought something whereby, by default, the system views only files that have the real application set up with a proper icon. But if you want to see all the icons, have an option, view all or view all icons. And yeah, then it I, just shows everything. I, I haven't know, given that some thought. I might have figured out a way to do that cleanly. Um, oh, good. I'm going to have to experiment with it and make sure it works the way I think. Because I reckon, do. yeah, that, that'll <clears throat> add to the ease of use. Because as it is, you get inundated with a pile of icons and the, the beginner will say, which oh, one to click. Yeah, correct. As yeah. a beginner, I'll say, oh, look at all these programs. Click, 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 <laughs> crash, crash, crash. Yeah. <laughs> and it might so, just like try to run it as a shell yeah. script or something weird. So, there. yeah, by default, <clears throat> just view the stuff that you can actually run unless you manually turn it on to view everything. That was yeah. just my... The, the complicating factor there, and this is getting in a bit of the tech weeds here a little bit, but I'll just briefly explain it. Like doing an just actual AI file out, itself, yeah. which assigns an icon to a program, that's easy. I can I can turn that on and off. 
fairly simply. I haven't done it yet, but I could. The problem is the ones that have extensions because you can actually have the AIF file that defines an extension in a totally different folder than you're in right now. So that folder will not actually have the AIF file to say, use this icon. That's stored in G-Shell's internal memory saying that extension I recognize, I'm going to use this icon instead. That's where I've got to make sure that part works properly. That's a bit more complicated. In I've fact, just gone back to the clock screen. Is it my imagination or does it look like the clock's lost a couple of minutes there? It would have because what did you run just now that stopped the interrupts? You said oh, that. of course. Yeah, right, the audio. Yeah, yeah right. The yeah, audio yeah. would have stopped the uh, interrupts. Yeah. yeah, that's where the hardware yeah. clock also comes in handy yes. because, of course, it keeps running in the background, so your time just yep. gets updated. And it just gets refreshed from that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. there's well, our, there's the, our uh, discussion about real-time clocks again. Where, where, yeah. where are they? <laughs> 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 so on Chris's description about uh, Multiview there, I used to game the system. So Multiview caches icon, so if you go into an edit directory and you've got an eighth doc that starts an editor, that's what you'll get for every data file you get that ends up in dot doc. Yeah. And if you go into a view directory that has an AVE doc that's a viewer, then everywhere you go, you view the doc file. It's kind of ugly in that you can't change it once you've got there, or at least I never found an elegant way to do that. But you can game the system, and maybe there's something in there that could... Yeah, that's do. kind of along the same lines. Like, I, honestly, one of the things I do want to change, and this is kind of spoiling for the future here, I'm not sure hoping this works, so I'm not promising something that isn't going to work. But uh, I've got to disable the right mouse button as a clear key, which they've currently got a default so that it just clears through the windows and re-enable it as an actual right mouse button. Because already I've found three or four programs that are broken because of that change. So obviously that, those weren't tested with, with the changes they did in, in the Nitrogen repository. Once I do that, I want to be able to do pop-up menus. So if you click on a right, you know, a text file or doc file and it's defaulted to use the, um, you know, sled editor or whatever you can right click and maybe pick a different one like you view i just want to view it this time i don't want to actually run it or something like that and have that as a selectable pop-up menu that's what my ultimate plan is that's a lot of extra pro complicated programming to do it but if i can get that to work it'll make it much simpler it'd be like open that, with on windows that's more logical yeah it sounds Ooh. like a advanced operating system there yeah well, that one is. i think is doable i just have to figure out a nice clean way to do it one other thing, if you go to um, the X and pick calendar, that looks directly like uh, MultiView. <laughs> yeah, that's just the way they they designed the calendar yeah. program. And it that's one program that actually is okay. uh, 2000 Y2K compatible. Actually, I think yeah. a lot of Dustmate actually was migrated to MultiView. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Des Desmade, Desmade 3, there's a, there's a ton of level one games. I, I, like I know right now, Alternate Reality, The City, Interbank Incident, Cavewalker all have issues running. Um, Cavewalker runs too fast. Interbank and uh, Alternate Reality literally crash the machine dead because they're doing cheating hardware direct access and stuff. They start reprogramming PIAs and all kinds of stuff directly, which in level one work because those games are so big, that's the only thing you'd be running. On level two, where you're actually running multiple apps, that really screws with the other apps and actually causes the OS to crash outright, like the whole machine freezes. It's like a blue screen on Windows, which is why I don't have icons <laughs> for those right now. Because <laughs> they're not ready for prime time. So, um, With Deskmate, Deskmate only ran at the 40-column screen. Is it possible to, to make the Deskmate work with an 80-column screen? Or it's just if, if you recode code? it, sure. Are you volunteering? No, no. It would leave, oh. need quite a bit of recording. 
but I'm just wondering if there's any way the the operating <coughs> system scales it automatically to, can be made to scale it. Uh, if it's written as a as a window centered app, like you know VD and some of these other editors actually do work that way. You can run it on a graphic screen. You can run it as 106 column if you want to use a six bit uh, wide font. So those mm. will actually automatically do it. Decimate, from what I remember, is all using direct screen write. So it's its own font that's built in. So I'd have right. to actually reprogram Decimate. Yeah. yeah. So the save as, okay, so that'll just save it to the actual, um, to the main um, disk image that it's yes. launched from, obviously. Mm. Yeah. Or you could, you know, if you have the second hard drive, the empty one mounted, you can tell it to save there so you can keep your stuff once the next update's out. That's months away yeah. yet, so everybody knows. Save as test. Okay. And I'm sure there's some bugs. We've got some minor bugs that have been reported already. Um, I had one assembler bug that I, I fixed afterwards. It won't affect the ease of use release. I'm not re-releasing it for that particular issue. But uh, David Ladd actually helped find that one, and it's uh, fixed now. And also bit Bill, I think, too. So he, he got that fixed as well. Well, only on a matchbox side so far. Yeah. Yeah, just did it. Yeah. Okay. Any, cool. any other feedback from anybody else in here that uh, has tried it out? That's a big resounding uh, <laughs> crickets. <laughs> like Robert Murphy, well, have, you, have you tried it? or? Yes, I have. And uh, <clears throat> so I've been following along with the, the point releases as they've been going on. And I run that side by side with a version that I compile from the repo for myself because I'm trying to learn how OS 9 internals work and how I can write my own code that will work with that. So I'm kind of dabbling with ease of use to get an idea of what is possible because I don't have the history with Nitros 9 or OS 9 to know what all this stuff even is. So ease of use lets me go in and see a preview of everything. And then I go back and try to figure out what actually, how it actually works and uh, compare the two and, you know, I put the, the ease of use on my SDC and uh, I've also messed with it via drive wire, just loading things up. And I, I think it's amazing. I keep finding more stuff that I wish I had known back then. I can imagine how far I'd be along now, but for what was available, I mean, what was it? I was trying to read the, um, the OS nine level one books the other night, just trying to you know go from the ground up. And all that stuff still applies for the most part with ease of use. So any of the material that's been around since the early 1980s is helpful for learning. But then when you get to the ease of use part, it, it it's dang near as convenient as just being on, you know, your desktop Mac or your windows or Linux box. I, I'm, I'm keep getting tempted to go, well, I'm only a few steps from trying this as a daily driver. <laughs> Well, thanks. That's 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 good phrase. And that is actually what we're aiming for. We're trying to make this easier for the user. We're also adding features under the hood for the power users like yourself um, or, or David Ladd and some of the others here that actually do programming and stuff. So we're you know, changing, you know, uh, optimizing system calls, optimizing the system itself, um, adding new functionality. To, yeah. to get to is being able to use this to do all of my editing on the game and do my test compiles and stuff rather than all the, the swapping around that I'm doing now. It'd be nice to actually just use the Coco 3 to do all that. And with the RSB working, which was one of the things I had been looking forward to, um, that's partly there. 
And, you know, I don't just don't know how well my game is going to work under all that. It's nothing about RSB or Nitros 9. And then with all the other tools that are already in there, it's like, why can't you just use this? And the internet is really the only answer. And I think with the drive wire, even that's being <clears throat> knocked at. You know, yeah. you're already getting to the point where, you know, this thing will be sitting on the net with a, a machine from the, the early to mid 1980s, which is phenomenal. It's, you know, having watched all this stuff, I don't know if you guys have, have noticed, but all this is possible now because of all that work that's been done. <clears throat> but look how far it's come since then. That's the part that keeps amazing me. Yeah. And you know, as much as y'all have put into it, just from beta four to beta five, it's moved so much further along. Amazing. Thanks. Hey, over in the and chat, actually, uh, uh, there's a question from the chat from Tim Franklin. Okay. Uh, about whether we have it working for the Coco FBGA yet. Uh, Mikey's and, been working on it. We have had some issues on that. Um, yes. Michael, do you want to give an update on that? Oh, he stepped away from his keyboard again. <laughs> we were we were running it last year at VCF West on uh, Mikey's uh, Coco FPGA. Yeah, Beta Four worked fine. Beta yeah, Five it, because we moved some stuff around between current and current P two, and I didn't know realize we have to change a few files in the boot files, but uh, yeah, it, CCB it will Kern, unfortunately, which is a special version of the kernel file, and this is getting in the weeds again, of course. Um, actually was bigger on the FPGA and now doesn't fit. So I know Michael's been doing some fiddling trying to get that working. The other stuff like VTIO and so IO man changes that, that that's all working fine, but there is a couple of issues that he's trying to work on right now. Uh, I've just noticed, I've just noticed here too. I just, I've just loaded up a whole lot of different things in the background, two images and a clock and a couple of other things and, and whatnot. And, and, um, um, uh, uh, basic, and uh, the print mem command is giving me the same amount of memory each time. So it's obviously each application has got its own dedicated section yep. of memory. Each, yes. each app gets its own section. That's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Mark, uh, you were saying there? Was yeah, over in the, the chat, chat uh, David uh, Croker, is it? Uh, Karma San Diego freezes right after you get promoted. No. Just everything else is working. Is that that problem that we came across, Curtis? Every time you get promoted. I haven't run into it yet. Uh, tell him oh, to is that, that that problem shift. where the prompt's wrong in the original disk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I think it is. Yeah, because it says him. press any key to continue, and actually that it, doesn't that work. That doesn't work. That doesn't work. Shift shift break, wasn't it? Yeah, I think with shift break, you have to hit. And that's wrong in the manual, yeah, wrong on the screen wrong in the, the original manual. Carmen yeah. Sandiego. So, uh, yeah, try that. Uh, hit shift break on that screen, and then it should carry on. Uh, even though the screen says press any key to continue, I should fix that actually so the screen matches what you're supposed to be doing <laughs> it's been wrong since it was released yeah secret feature i got one other one um if i hit h1 it says uh can't open this device press any key that means you haven't got it mounted yet yeah. are you running yeah, emulator or real stc hardware or real uh, huh are you running on VCC, MAME, or real hardware? I'm on uh, MAME on one, and I'll be on uh, real in the other. Okay. If you look through the docs that came with Beta 5, it explains how to mount that second drive. Okay. You have to no, mount the second drive. All right. Okay. That makes. I just tried it then, and I'm in. I'm, uh, you get the same thing, yeah, because you have mounted it. Key. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, 
So H1 o'clock. Yeah, the very end of the beta five notes, the update notes, there's explanations of how to do it all three ways. You can do it in MAME and VC. Well, VCC doesn't support a second hard drive. You can't do it there. But in MAME, you go to the file selector thing like you normally do to mount floppies and you just mount hard drive, the second hard drive with the image. And then on the SDC, there's three different ways to do it. You use the drive command manually. You can do it from SDC Explorer by hitting shift one on the data drive, then run the actual Nitrous 9 boot file and it'll boot with both intact. Okay. And I can't remember the third one's off the top of my head, but yeah, it's all explained at the end of the docs. Can you do it from um, Nitrous 9 itself or do you have to do it? Not before yet, you launch? but it will be. <laughs> 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 I, I thought it would be left as an empty drive ready to use. It is. It is as uh, it's some people like if you're running VCC, you can't. So I can't mount it by default because otherwise it'll crash VCC. Oh, okay. So that makes it's, sense. It's an optional extra. Okay. But in your SDC Explorer, you could just add yes. that to the options and it'll automatically load it every time. Yeah. yeah. So you're forcing me to learn command lines. <laughs> well, no, you can do the SDC Explorer. You just shift one the data drive and then just enter the uh, the main boot drive and. Voila, you're running. Okay. You just have um, to stop using VCC. That's all. Well, VCC, like I said, Walter actually got back to me last night and said he will take a look and see about adding the second hard drive support to the VCC and OVCC. So hopefully we'll actually get that up and running. That's interesting. I've just uh, I've just really loaded this up. I've got multiple images and multiple things in the background and I've launched, launched the bouncy ball. It is a bit slower, but I mean, that's it's multitasking massively here. Yeah, at 1.78 megahertz, don't forget. Yeah. <laughs> Not gigahertz, well, megahertz. The fact Not that it's gigahertz, actually running at all doing all this is, the fact that it's actually running at all doing this is pretty impressive. Press the clear key so we can see them all. I, I noticed a, a little that. something. That's interesting. <laughs> when you um, bring up G-Shell mm -hmm. and it first comes up, just for a split second, there's a green border. Yeah, because when G-Shell launches, it creates the window with the default system palettes, which is the Tandy selected ones, which had green and blue and a bunch of others. And then I read the environment file immediately after that to get what colors do you want G-Shell to run in? And then it assigns those colors right after. Oh, okay. So yes, you do see that very briefly. Cool. Yeah, there is that brief flash there. Yeah. And for those of you who are application developers or interested in becoming application developers, um, there's some documentation of the couple of things we changed in G-Shell. One is being able to launch a VDG app, and it tells you how to change an AI file to let that happen. We also have the option of renaming the file, because the way the old way worked is that whatever the name of the program you're running is the name it displays on the screen under the icon, which in the case of Sierra games, every single Sierra game was called Sierra. So whether you're running Leisure Suit Larry, you're running King Quest 3, it all said the same thing. We've added a new option. You can actually have it, the name of the program, the pipe symbol, and then what do you want to call it on the screens? You can rename it to whatever you want. You can put in like spaces, which you couldn't do before and all kinds of things. You're still restricted on a 40 column screen. You can only fit 10 characters wide. So keep your titles under that, or at least recognizable under 10. And if you're an 80 column, I think you get an 11th character for free. Interesting here of... Um I've closed down all the other applications and it sped up the bouncy ball, but not as much as it was when I first launched it. Um, yeah, I'd have to well, see. Maybe not. It looks pretty, pretty close. It looks pretty good. Well, maybe that is. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I actually, I'm, no, I know what I'm thinking. You're thinking I'm thinking of the other the one. With the, yeah. yeah, there's different balls with different, yeah. That, that, yeah, that one thinking. where you're running right now is written in basic 09. Oh, you know. okay. Oh, that's impressive then. Also, the 6809 version, I mean, the 6809, um, when we first started the Nitrous 9 project, you know, or the ease of use project, I should say, 
when we originally did Nitro back in the nineties, it was meant to be six three nine only. We weren't even going to consider the six and I was like, "Come on, guys, upgrade your chips already." And you know, the call and it took to convince Nick. Um, <laughs> but basically, we've actually been going back and and speeding up six eight oh nine stuff based on techniques we learned in the six three nine version. Some of them were not six three nine command based. Some of them were algorithmic based. Like you know, the algorithm how it was doing things was slow, so we changed that. So on beta mm-hmm. five, you'll notice like the proc command, the mdir command run way faster, multiple times faster than the original one. And the graphic system has been sped up on betas three and four. So even if you have a six eight oh nine, you're going to be getting speed ups far beyond the original OS nine level two. Well, that's impressive. I'm running. Uh, I'm running that beyond C4 plus. Oh, hang on. I was running it. Oh yeah. Yeah. The other one. Uh, the, the other one uh, quits itself yeah. after you hit clear because it's actually yeah. stealing the CPU completely for that. Your your clock stopped right now. Okay. Right. 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 That's yeah. All right. That's stealing all the interrupt. Yeah. Okay. Now there is uh, some other demos that do some bouncing that do not steal interrupt. So there's some other demos you could run there too. Yeah. Right. But it's uh, it's pretty impressive. Two meg is definitely uh, the sweet spot for this this release. Well, for any any Netris nine, to be honest, because then you can yeah, run a ton of apps. And obviously, I'm running because I'm running uh, Poison Tech um, two meg on here. I've got a sixty three oh nine in this as well. So this is the yeah. sixty three oh nine version. And the five twelve k does run good too. You can run multiple apps on that pretty comfortably as well, just not as many. Yeah. Mm, mm. And that's why I'm interested. Like when Nick Morota gets a chance to really, you know, start digging into it, so he's he's got a six and a nine, and he's got five twelve k. So I'd like to get his experience, you know, running on the the lower end machine as far as what ease of use specifies, and see what his impressions well, actually, are there. Actually, I can directly compare them because my other Coco three is a, a sixty eight oh nine with five twelve k of Tandy RAM in it. So, uh, and I have downloaded both. I've downloaded the 6809 and the 6309 version. So I'll, I'll put yeah. that on the other SD card and, and do a direct comparison. Yeah, we've got them pretty well feature matched now. Um, so new new system calls and stuff are on both. They both can natively launch VDG apps and stuff now. So it's um, feature parity is pretty well dead on, I think, at this point. Uh, Speed-wise, obviously, the 6809 version is going to be slower than the 6309 native version. But it's still way faster than you know even the three point three release in in certain spots. Hey, guess guess what? What? <clears throat> I don't know if you can see this, but uh, I changed the date and time on the. Um, uh, it's just too bright in it. Yeah, I changed it. I changed the date and time in the clock app, and it's perfect. It doesn't have that crazy oh, semicolon. Semicolon. It's gone. Oh, interesting. You just made a two-digit yeah. year or something? All right. Well, it asked. It's when you hit clock and set time or set date, rather. It's just uh, year, year, month, month, day, day. And you so put it in, it's filling. It's uh, overriding the uh, the semicolon with the with the proper character. Right. So what so, did you do, Ron? You, well, you just set the time, did you? Not the date yeah. or, do, or the set the time and the date. Yeah, so it's the time of the day because I just hit enter in the beginning. Okay, let me just try setting the time. 07. Oh, that's pretty much OA. I'll just put OA there. I can't quite read the chat here on the screen because it's all fuzzed out, and apparently I'd accidentally closed my chat window earlier sometime. I, I can't read all the comments. Is there any other questions or comments there that are worth mentioning? Uh, let me scroll back through here and take a look. Yeah, there's one from oh, Yeah, it did too. Jim Gray says, why the bottom of the window on Planet Engine disappears under Nitrous 09? I'm not sure on that one. That one's weird. Um, 
and I know Ron's noticed that before too. I think part of it is that the original version of MultiView on a border window where it only has the top menu bar and nothing on the sides, like no, or with scroll buzzer, say, it used to just draw a single line on the bottom and you could technically take over that line. Now that we actually have a full bar, that line doesn't get taken over. So maybe he calculates the height of the screen or where he's drawing based on that not being there. That's the only thing I can think of. Unfortunately, I don't have source code to patch that. My, so if uh, anybody, if anybody my, get a hold of the original author to uh, you know give us a shout there, we can see if we can fix it. All the other right. questions look like they've been answered. I just tried that same thing, Ron, on on here with with the clock on mine, and uh, yeah. confirm what you've you found. It works perfectly yeah. here too. But but what you've done is change the time to nineteen twenty, so it disappears. Yes. So it appears correctly, but your calendar dates and everything will be wrong. It really needs to be 120, which you You're can't right. enter with a two-digit year. In mm. Planet uh, Engine, you can change it. Oh, that. 19th year. Right, right. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah G, the, most of the G, the mini apps that came with MultiView, G Cal, or G Clock and G Cal and stuff like that, do need patches. Unfortunately, we do not have source, not real source anyway. They'll have to be disassembled, and, and going through C code is a bit of a mess. But uh, we'll see what we can do about patching some of those in the future here. Did you, say, um, <laughs> did, did you say at some stage that someone was redoing the control panel? Yeah, somebody's actually been writing a basic nine version of it. Yeah. They've been mentioning it on Discord and they're actually, you know, fixing up some things and they're parsing some of the newer options that the original ones don't. So cool. I, I haven't had a chance to see it yet, but uh, depending on how that looks there, we might integrate that into the one of the future betas. Anybody else who wants to contribute and add stuff, I mean, if you want your stuff freely distributed on the ease of use so it's already set up and ready to go for people, just let us know and we'll put it on. Control panel, well, I'll tell you, I, oh, oh, in, uh, Sorry. <laughs> go ahead, Rick. I was just going to say, I always used to use a control dash E in my startup, so even my text screens use the control panel settings. It was really handy, so I'd like to see that fleshed out and used again. Yeah, it still works. Actually, if you type control dash E and put it in your startup, or if you run it manually, it still does do that. Well, I've really been hammering. I've really been hammering this just while we've been talking and just loading, you know, heaps of stuff in the background and quitting things and launching things and editing things, and it's it's rock solid. Not, yep. not a single problem. Yeah, no crashes. That. Mm. Cool. That's a big plus. Hmm. Over what it it's not impossible to, to crash it though. I have done that. <laughs> well, yeah, I have too. <laughs> so All control right. cues quit for my, oh that doesn't work with that one. You guys you done good it. with this, man. Oh break. Yeah, <laughs> break. yeah right. this is this is impressive. I like it. Are we ready to put a fork in this ep this uh episode? And your personality yeah. changes back to yeah. the... I, I will make one other thing. I still plan on doing a Basic Nine series, whether it's on Cocoa Talk itself or on After Dark, uh, just kind of going through, especially now that we've got you know the, the new beta out and kind of let people know how to do these programs and stuff from Basic Nine and, and doing some of the neat you know, tips yeah. and tricks. I'm not sure when that's going to start yet. I'm, I'm taking a month off from ease of use, except for you know, bug fixes that people report and helping you know, Bill get the Matchbox version going, helping Mikey get the uh, Coco 3 FPGA version going, et cetera. Uh, but I'll be working on the game's webpage. But now I've got a bunch of new, you know, not new, but always signed games that aren't on my webpage yet now easily to get screenshots out of. So I'll, I'll be using Nitrous 9 to do that too. But yeah, we do plan on getting that uh, tutorial thing starting to go here in the next month or two. Uh, Jim Gary what? is asking if the, uh, can the wonky level one apps like that Tandy trivia game work? 
Well, we've got a couple level one games already working on there. Zero Gravity Works. That's a port from an old Chroma set game. Biosphere Works. Um, like I mentioned, some others like Interbank and Cavewalker and Alternate Reality actually play with the hardware directly, which they're not supposed to be doing. They're supposed to go through the OS for that. Those do crash. I'm going to be disassembling and seeing if I can patch those. I haven't tried Trivia Fever yet. It is on my list of things to do, so that's uh, one I'll be taking a look at in the future. Okay. And there is actually one other thing I would like to add for the Matchbox users, is it will actually, Beta 5 will have Coconut Server built into it as well, so you can actually use the wireless version of DriveWire, kind of similar. Cool. And also, as it has in the previous betas, it supports the 80 by 50 text screen modes and stuff, which is really nice yes. to use on the Matchbox. And we're planning GimmeX support. That might, we might have to do an interim version, depending on when the GimmeX gets officially released to the public. Um, if we're not ready for what we normally would have considered beta 6, we might make a, a, a quick beta 6 just to throw in some GimmeX support. Have you heard from Ed whether uh, this new Beta 5 works on the Gimme X? It does. He, he was actually asking, how do I specifically uh, get Nitrous 9 to kick in his extra double speed poke so he goes up to 3 megahertz? Cool. So he's going to be testing that with it. Oh, that's a good plus. I'll have a uh, Gimme X here very shortly. So I'm on, the, I'm on the beta list for the Gimme X. So it'll be good to experiment with this with it. Yeah. yeah. And then running Nitrous 9, like you've seen how fast it runs right now at 2 megahertz, and you kick it up another 50, 100% there, then. That's what we're looking at with the Gimme X. Mm, yeah. mm, mm. So this runs natively. At, so this is running natively at one point seven nine, yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, David, uh, are you going to have to uh, modify anything on the Coco to make the Gimme X work on your PAL Coco three? Um, there might the possibly be connectors in the way. Yeah, there's probably going to be some uh, some. Yeah, the keyboard connector is one of the things I might have to mod, and there might be a couple of other things. Um, but you know, that's uh, that's why I'm on the beta testing program, and you know, I'm a hardware guy, so we'll, uh, I'll work on that with Ed, and we'll uh, we'll come up with a solution for the PAL versions of it. Yeah. Now the functionality for the Gimme X will be a bit limited off the start. Um, the the double double speed poke, the two point eight six megahertz poke, obviously we'll be supporting that. Um, He's not implementing any of the hardware text modes that have the higher vertical res like the Matchbox and the FPGA do, which was the easiest one for us to implement because it's already done on the Matchbox. That's not going to be on the initial versions of the Gimme X from the sounds of it. <clears throat> so that won't be there. We will be modifying CoVDG to handle the 160 by 192 by 256 color mode. So if you want to write a program using that, you can. And we're going to be supporting the extended palettes, so the 512 uh, color palette to choose from. It'll be a new display command you'll have to use because it's not compatible, obviously, exactly with the previous one. But uh, we will be adding this extended support for that. So that'll be the features that are enabled off the start for the Gimme X version. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, we got a lot um, of plans for the Gimme X. Yeah. We ready for a caboose? Now, unless there's any further questions from either the chat or the uh, panel or further comments before we go on to the caboose. Good trash can. It's, <laughs> it's a bit, it's a bit squished up there, isn't it? <laughs> Expect more traffic on the Discord for uh, <clears throat> EOU questions and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I forgot to oh, mention yeah. that we do have a dedicated Nitrous Nine EOU channel on Discord under Operating Oops. Systems, and if you guys have any questions, comments, 
Um, oh, I think I just crashed it. Look at this. I think I, I just crashed it. <laughs> I loaded up the ray trace bouncy balls with flight simulator demo, and it said, "Oh, yeah, I you probably like ran that. out of system RAM in that case." So yeah, yeah, I, I, I did that deliberately. I wanted to really failure. push it. To, I wanted to push it to the limit and just see what it would do. So, so uh, it's the clear. orange screen of death, not blue. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Not a good one. But that's actually a screen that. from Flight Sim, not the actual operating system. <laughs> oh, is it? Oh, it is too. Yeah, everything else <laughs> have is you still guys, working. Have you guys ever crashed your Coco and had the light come on if you have the two megabyte upgrade? Oh, it's still exited. Yes. Right. It's stuff. Wow, the, the operating system's still working fine. It actually exited when I pressed the, the, the exit command from it. So, <laughs> um, it failed gracefully. Like it should. Uh-huh. The more I'm playing around with this, the more impressed I am. This is. <laughs> Yeah. Just press clear. Yeah. Now I see that James Jones mentioned in the chat here. He said he hopes emulators will support the Gimme X functionality. I hope that too, especially with MAME in particular, because of the debuggers so handy. It'll uh, take but, some time, but it'll yeah. be there, I'm sure. Uh, I yeah, hope that's... that too, James. <laughs> my co- I'm putting my hand over the top of the cocoa and it's not running hot at all. It's still running cool. So it's yeah, that's that's impressive, Curtis. Nice work. Okay, cool. If there's no other further comments, we'll uh, let uh, Mark do some last batch of ads, I'm presuming, before the caboose. Uh, well, we have the outro to run. Or that. We've, we've only managed to run one set of ads today, anywhere, two sets. Let's see. And this concludes another episode of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to CocoTalk at CocoTalk.live. CocoTalk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because CocoTalk is rocking the 8-bit world. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click the Patreon link at our website at cocotalk.live. Cocotalk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tiny flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Cocotalk is rocking the 8-bit world. Coco Talk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors. Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, Grant Leedy, Bruce Moore, Nick Marenkis, Ron Delvaux, Rick Adams, Jason Riker, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Tom C., Rob Inman, Mark Bosley, Brian Joyce, Ken Riker, David O'Connor, Brian Weasler, Terry Steggy, Nick Morota, John Strong, and many more, especially to Steve Bjork for production suggestions and James Diffendaffer for making my head explode. help support the Coco community by visiting some of its various contributors. A list of resources is available at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T dot com. The Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. Mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore.
the Coco Talk train wreck is over, and we welcome you to the last surviving car. Join us in Zoom for Coco Talk Caboose, a recap of today's show. Coco Talk Caboose starts now. Well, and we're back. Good job. Hey, this, I never stay this long. <laughs> I heard you. Uh, Let's see her, Alan. Curtis, I heard you called me a couple minutes ago, but uh, I was. Uh, oh, what was that about now? I can't remember. That's uh, Coco FPGA and. and yeah. Big oh, right, right, right. I was eating. Oh, more important things. Yes. <laughs> that was about a good the show fall over and go. It was a good showcase of EOU. It all worked perfectly. No crashes. Yeah, you're always yeah. scared when you get people demoing that, especially when you're not doing the demo. Well, that was a good right. test. Hey, it happened yeah. to Bill Gates. Well, yeah, Mark's demo didn't go so well, but uh, ours did. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, you didn't mention the icons enough, though. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Did you notice the good uh, trash can? Ah, uh, yeah. I, I heard about it. It's legendary. Did you make that trash can, Nick? Oh, yes, yeah. No, he didn't. <laughs> it it looks good to me. You can... I, have to, I have to say, the trash can looks better in 40 column mode. I'll just get back it to does, that. Yeah. It does, yeah. It does, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think shrink it there because that box is narrower to fit, fit, fit it in. The wider trash can didn't quite fit within the lines. Yeah, yeah. Are we still well, are? You know, Curtis, we, uh... the, uh, the guy that <laughs> yeah, signed was signing my shirt last week. We showed mm-hmm. the two pictures of the microwear guy signing the uh, T-shirts for the Coco Yeah, Mark fans. and uh, what's his name? Terry, I think. And Todd Earls. Yeah, Todd Earls is okay. the guy that did Multiview. Oh, is he? Yep. He's the Multiview Does he have guy. Source? Because <laughs> 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 if he has Source, I could fix all the little mini apps that came with it, like the clock with the year 2K bug. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, that's the one thing is, you know, that I, I don't know where the microware source was. We know we lost the 6809 source, but I always wondered, did they give any of that to somebody at Tandy, and is it still out there somewhere? Yeah, like Mark Siegel might have received it at one point. That's lost. Now, I will well, mention a few you- other things mentioned in chat here just briefly before I forget. Uh, James Jones was asked or mentioning the fact that, you know, the one thing is you could, with TS Mon and login, you can actually set up. And TBJ Chris has demoed this on his YouTube video channel before. You can actually set up your Coco to have logins externally from terminals or PCs or whatever through the serial port. And he mentions that G Shell doesn't have any security. Well, G Shell doesn't work with the serial port anyway. I mean, some of the display commands for drawing stuff does, but the SS mouse call, for example, does not. So you can't read a mouse to position the cursor or do anything else. But I did mention that uh, Bill's MTS Mon is actually installed, which saves a lot of memory if you're running multiple serial connections because it only has one master program. You don't have to run a separate one for every single serial port. Mm. So you can do some of that stuff on there and actually have people log in or have your PC log into it. And in some cases, it actually runs a little bit faster, especially if you're running like a 16550-based thing like a Mega Mini MPI, like Mikey was mentioning with his DW term. So, And Rick Euland, I will mention this, he actually sold the 16550 board back in the 90s for the Coco. He has been finding some of the... Uh, executables and drivers from that time period that uses the full buffering. I think you got it running up to 57.6 back in the day, even under Nitrous 9 as a, a standard serial port, like not doing a hardwired, you know, drive wire thing. So uh, once I get some time to actually get back into that and looking at that, I'm going to try to get that working for beta six too. So we Our should party be- piece. 
used to be 115K to an, a thin client X terminal with the serial plug on the back. And that was faster than the Cocos text screen. So there's things yeah, to be- I plan on going through that code and see if we can optimize it even further. So maybe we can, you know, really crank that sucker up. And, and again, <laughs> I, I my, uh, this is on this now. So I think I might have some of the things you're looking for. I just haven't cool. had time to go through it. I know you had a, like a patch supercom that did direct screen writes to help keep it, keep it up to the serial port because it was too fast. And uh, I, I know I did some 639 optimizations on supercom itself back in the day, which I've lost. Well, if you have the 16550 version of it, I'll grab that and I'll make the new 639 version based on that. And then we should have a really, really fast terminal program under. Yeah. Like, 2.3 is our release. Yeah, I'll, I'll get it and to I you. can help you with uh, testing some of that stuff if we're targeting uh, Mega Mini MPI. Yeah, I've got to make a mini yeah. MPI too, but I definitely, since you've actually more, more experience with the chip, I will be probably approaching you for some help. Mm-hmm. Do the, yeah, does yeah, the I Mega Mini MPI, does it map differently than the Connect 16550? I don't know uh, yeah, that it's, yet. Does it? It's behind a um, an extra, a Mega Mini MPI has two extra MPI slots, which uh, don't wouldn't physically exist. And one of them is are the serial ports and the other one is the sound chip. Yeah. So how do you, go ahead. I was going to say, how do you clock the 550 on that? Is it it's just, got its own clock. Yeah, it's got its own, yeah. Well, because the chip was so fast, we had to play games to to actually get it valid on the bus at the same time that 6X09 wanted to. That's an Ed Snyder question. Yeah. And okay, it, it actually, enough. if you remember the uh, IRQ strapping on the multipacks we used to do back in the day, Rick? Uh, that's actually Indeed, a software just, option on the Mega Mini from Ed. You can turn that on and off in software. Just did one last really week, cool. as a matter of fact. Yeah. <laughs> are we still on it, or are we yeah. going off it? Yep. No, we're on the coast right now. Yeah, we're, we're still okay, on Okay, cool, cool, cool. Now, I want to mention well, something so. else that came up in chat here from James Jones. Um, he was talking about the MTS Mon stuff, which we just went through. But he also mentioned he's planning on doing or has started uh, producing internally a series of how to learn Basic 9 if you're a disk basic programmer. So he's cool. actually going to be doing a series on that. Uh, so we'll be plugging that once the episodes of that are out. Oh, that'll be good. Yeah, and Look, something I'm going to do related to that, Curtis, is when uh, when we went to the first Atlanta Cocoa Fest in 1990, and basically everybody who walked up said, oh, I'd buy that if it ran under OS 9. <laughs> Things have changed, haven't they? Yeah. <laughs> now, even me, I'm living in Cocoa 1 emulators on XOR having a blast on a 32-column screen. But I went and converted my banner program to basic 09, and I've got drafts of articles that I'm going to eventually complete that walk through the code in basic and then how I had to learn my very first basic 09 program. So it cool. should be interesting to see the decisions I made. I probably even use line numbers for everything. That'll yeah, my first basic 09 programs did that too, because that's what I was familiar yeah. with. It was easier to get it done quick. Cool. How do you, if you're not using line numbers, how do you use go subs and go tos and things like that? Labels, labels, yeah. call procedures. That's the only on basic nine. That's the only line number you need. Is if you're using it as a target. Otherwise, anything between those doesn't need a line number. Yeah. Plus, you've got like while loops and loop and loops and repeat untils and stuff. So you have the structure, you know, from like Pascal type languages built in to get around a lot of that. The only ones you require in line numbers for is on go to, on go sub, and I think on air are, are the only ones in base kind that require line yeah. numbers still. And you run procedures whole, too. So you can have separate procedures that you call by name. The whole concept of, of, of basic without line numbers is, is kind of foreign to me. So I remember feeling that way well, too. Basically, Dave. The way basic 09 works is 
instead of doing a GoSub line number, you're doing a GoSub procedure name. Yeah, except you just do run procedure. You can pass Much the parameters and stuff too. So, Of course, my favorite basic 09 trick was you could pack a whole street address into one variable called address. Uh, the, yeah, with a complex know, type declaration. Yeah, a string with the name and a number here and another string there and blah, blah, blah. They actually blah. call that a structure, don't they? Yep. Yeah, exactly. And you mm -hmm. can give it an array to it, so you can have a whole array of this structure, and you just do it's like, like programming Visual Basic, where you do like wow. address dot city or something like that. It's like a modern, modern language characters. And what a concept! Yeah, like a modern language. <laughs> it was way ahead of its time. The thing is that that was done whatever. in 1980, Michael. So that was even before Windows fact, or any of that stuff happened. Or Linux. Wasn't OS nine to support Basic 09 originally? Yes, it was mm -hmm. the original. Oh well. Micro Microware did the oh, Basic 09 port for the uh, for Motorola basically as a showpiece for the uh, 6809, and they said we should really write an OS around this, and they'd already written RTOS for the 6800, so they just kind of went from there. I still haven't re rebooted my system yet, and it's still running the same boot that we were running during the, uh, previously, and uh, I quit the Bouncy Ball one and launched Flight Sim again, and it worked perfectly. So it was just a clash between Bouncy Ball and Flight Sim, obviously. Yeah, the Bouncing Ball, the Ray Trace one, actually uses nine page flip screens. Yeah, so it has okay. to have window table pointers and has to assign nine windows from system memory, which means you ran out enough for the view. Right. Yeah. Hey, David, yeah, yeah. That. David yeah. you need to hire better monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Curtis, um, can we get an I, uh, expansion to the game site to now have a separate Nitros 9 application and games set up? I'm not going to do a separate section for that, but I will be like on the little highlight bar, it says uh, the system requirements is like Cocoa 1, 2, 3, 64K, joysticks, or whatever. I will be putting OS 9 on the ones that have OS 9. And there's some that are dual, like Thexter works in both, Shanghai works in both. Zero gravity works in both. What um, about not games? Because there's all this stuff that you know about not games that, <clears throat> you know, an idiot like me trying to come into this and figure out what all these things are. I mean, they're just words on the screen to start with, <laughs> to start diving into it. Um, you know, well, a the, big project that we're trying to get into, and I'm trying to get Rob Inman and a few others to help on, is, is to actually rewrite the entire set of manuals and then add all the third-party manuals to it, too, plus with any modifications that have been done since. Like most, as was mentioned before, most of the OSN level two manuals and even the level one ones, I think you mentioned it, a lot of that still applies, but syntax of some of the commands have changed. There's been new ones. There's new features on some of them. There's brand new well, ones that never existed before. So we got to really update that. So I demoed the the earlier beta five, one of the, like a month ago or something, you had put out a, a, a test and I demoed yeah. that for some of the guys uh, at work and they're like, well, what the hell is this? And I said, look, this is basically what was going on when you when, when your dad was trying to figure out how to do computers and stuff and it still works now and it's still being improved and they're like well how hard is it to learn i said it's not any harder to get into than another linux distro so if you use one linux distro and move to another one you've got to figure out all these little little changes to commands and things and really moving from the os9 books into Nitros 9 is easier than that. So yeah. it, that stuff still does apply that much. Yeah. Like that idiot from the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that idiot from the book. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> well, I am that idiot from the book right now because I'm sitting here with the book open trying to figure out what all this stuff is. And and that is really probably, and you know, this is going to sound bad and I don't mean it this way. That's probably the biggest complaint with EOU is you open it up and there is a wall of stuff to do. And if you don't already <laughs> know what all that stuff is, you're like, okay, it's a bit intimidating that there is that much there. I mean, the only thing I could compare it to would be Geos on the uh, Commodore 64, 128, or the Apple. And in Geos, you only had eight icons a page. So yeah. you you started up Geos, you got a page, and it had eight things to choose from, which was not very overwhelming. And you can only this, run one at once, too, couldn't you? Um, yeah. yeah. Well, if it was a Geos-specific application... There were some that would be like old DOS TSRs where you could terminate and stay resident and flip back and forth between it as long as you didn't run out of memory. But uh, so this reminds me of Geos in that it, it does all this stuff on so little hardware, but it's far more intimidating. And while it is a lot easier to use, that first moment impression when you open it up is like, what the? Oh my, wait, Windows 95? What the hell is going on in here? <laughs> so you do have to go kind of step back and just take a breath. And I yeah. don't know. If, well, that's know, why I mentioned the docs, like basically the stuff that's pre-installed and ready to run will have a unique icon. Like if you're using the generic execution icons, text icons, data file icons, like don't double click those unless you know what you're doing type thing. But so it's basically, also a really cool promo of how much is out there to get into because I had no idea all this stuff was out there. If you just look through the OS nine level one and early level two stuff, yeah, there's like a handful of things mentioned and you see more stuff in the catalog, but this is a huge landscape of things. Yeah. And I, we haven't even put half the stuff on there yet. We're yeah. Not even close. So I, I just, yeah, still gobsmacked. It, it's yeah. been an amazing two months missing. The, the, the big thing for you is it's not just an operating system uh, that we're distributing here. We're distributing a complete system as if you'd pre-installed, pre-bought a whole bunch of apps. And you're, mm. you're like somebody hands you a computer with everything. Like here's your entire games library and your computer and your OS and here go. And that's kind of what you, you're shooting for. That you don't have to worry about doing installs or, you know, this file has to go there. This driver has to change, blah, blah, blah which is one of the reasons we've restricted it to not have DriveWire and stuff because Bill and I have changes to do to DriveWire to make it work smoothly with everything we're planning on doing, which it won't do right now, uh, like level three, for example. So, I mean, that's the reasons we've been taking baby steps towards it and gradually expanding. We are going to be hitting a lot more of the third-party drivers on beta six. I plan on doing some stuff with the Cocoa SDC that's not being done right now. Uh, Bill's going to be working on some of the DriveWire stuff. Uh, there's a ton of stuff that we're planning. I'm not sure how much all of this will get into the beta six, might be beta seven, who knows. But gradually, hey, we're going to expand to cover everything else. Uh, question, Curtis. Yes. Uh, what's, what development are you doing? Most of the stuff on Nitrous 9 is an assembler. Are you using LW tools or what's your primary? No, assembly? I'm using the OS 9 assembler right in OS 9 itself. Yes. Ah, oh, no, no new tricks there. Oh, no. I, I yeah, use LW Curtis tools. Needs a, Curtis needs a gray beard that goes down to the floor and goes with <laughs> yeah. suspenders. Rick, Rick Ewan will stand in for me and he'll just display his face whenever I'm talking. So. <laughs> I think I, can I use LW tools just because it's quicker. Yeah. Okay. Uh, to be honest, I actually use ASM usually if I'm doing like bigger development. If I'm doing quick and dirty programs, I'll do it right on the Cocoa mm -hmm. itself. But if okay. I'm running VCC or MAME and I just unlock the CPU lock, it runs as fast as LW tools anyway. And I don't have to keep switching environments. It's just I'm right there. I run it. Mm -hmm. you know, and then and OVCC in particular, which runs at an overclock of 500 megahertz, I can mm -hmm. compile things in one second. So it's, I'm not saving time and going to LW ASM. And I, yeah. I know ASM 
inside and out from using it since 1990. So, okay, and then uh, then it's the C compiler that comes with it. It's, uh, good for some of the other utilities. I mean, what sort of languages all do you? Uh, yeah, basic nine's on there. The C compiler right? now. The C compiler will be going undergoing some changes by beta six because uh, okay. Jeff. Uh, known as Deke in Discord, has been actually yes. amalgamating all the different front ends and additions and library updates that have been done over the years. And he's actually right. making a brand new version of C compiler with everything completely modernized. And we'll and be putting that very, one on to be doing a very good job at that. <laughs> yeah, I haven't had a chance to look at it yet, but I know he's been talking with you and some other people there. And we're going to be integrating that into the ease of use so that everybody has this fully up-to-date C. Everybody's on the same common ground. Not Excellent. people are using the Crider library and some are using the stock microware library, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. Some are right. using the CMOC library. Yeah, like there's a lot of discrepancies between them. They're not fully compatible with each other, so we're going to try to standardize that. Okay, excellent. Well, Curtis. Unfortunately, uh, I, you're not going to be able to really standardize with uh, CMOC because uh, CMOC is using a different ABI than, than what the standard C compiler does. So... The compiler itself won't generate function calls that are compatible with the ones from this from the microware C compile C compiler. So how does it do OS nine uh, API calls at all? Then if it doesn't do that the same? No, I'm not talking about OS nine. It's I'm internal talking libraries. about application binary oh. interface that defines when you call a function call, who saves the registers, where does param where does this parameter one go in a register or a stack? You know, how do you pass how do you pass the return value back? All that kind of stuff. CMOC right. uses a different one. Than this, than the mic, the, the OS nine compiler. Okay, so, I'll have to check with Jeff because he's he's actually basing it on a newer version of the C compiler than the yeah. MicroWare's released one. So I don't know if there's an opportunity to make that more standardized at this point while he's going. Well, through it that do, that's going to require changes actually to the CMOC. If you want yeah, to combine those two, CMOC compiler will have to change to make them compatible. Yeah. And that's why he says it's a C like compiler rather than ah, right, yeah. right, 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 yeah. advertise yeah. that it's a full C deal. Okay, well, we'll standardize the, all the microware derivatives of it then into one. Yeah, there. This one right now. There's, there's, that there's multiple a, versions of that. There's the ANSI front end that some people have, some people don't, and you know, there's, there's two paths. I basically, wanted to point out that path. that's sort of an orthogonal, going to be an orthogonal thing to to what Deke is doing with the C compiler, and they're not really going to be compatible with each other. Okay, well, as long as we make people aware of that and what the differences are, so that they know and they can uh, I'm sure there are going to be people who are going to crawl up from underneath their their <laughs> rock and go, "Hey, why can't I compile something? You know, compile compile dash C, you know, an object library with CMOC and have it work with with something I compiled on EOU." I'm like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I think poor Nicholas is uh, trying hard to stay awake here. <laughs> I think we're in our tickets. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Curtis, anyway, just everybody program. go download it and give it a shot and give us some feedback yeah. on Discord. You can email me directly. My email address is in the uh, the documentation. Make sure to read the documentation. You don't have to read, if you're brand yeah. new to Nitrostein, you don't have to read the whole 53 points we've updated since beta four. Just read the beginner's docs. That should give you enough to get started. One last quick question. If, if, I print, if I print, uh, could my TP10 work? Is it, what's the baud rate? Um, well, it'll depend if you run the 6.7 or 6.9 versions because you'll have to run TunePort to adjust your printer delay speeds for printing to the serial bit banger. I'm assuming that's what you're going through? Yeah. You? Okay. Yes. Yeah, so the 6.9, you'll have to drop the values down a little bit from the 6.9 because it, it actually, you know, running a native mode, it's running faster. Uh, but yeah, you should be able to do it. And the G-Print, I think, still works. I haven't tested it because I don't have a printer hooked up to my Cocoa here to try it on. But uh, there's nothing I, I know of that is broken that functionality. You will have to tweak it a bit, though. 
Okay. David Connor seems to be addicted to the OS9. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having fun here. <laughs> Did you shut down the Space Quest? Uh, yeah. I had no oh, idea what I was doing, so I gave up. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't see your exit, that's all. I was wondering if it's still running in the background. No, it wasn't, but I, I gave up on okay. it because I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> so, Curtis, I was going to suggest hide a magic word in each version of the docs as they get released. And then when people start asking questions, go, okay, whoa, 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 what's the magic word? And if they didn't read that I can far, tell you right now, I don't even have to do that because nobody reads the docs. Tim Linder actually sent me an email saying, oh, I'm surprised at all the stuff you didn't mention a few specifics. And I said, you're the only one so far that has read the docs enough to actually ask these questions. <laughs> well, easy, well, I've read, read it from the book. <laughs> I've read the docs. Um, and, and I would argue, I think if you're a beginner, you probably should go through the changes because it gives you 53 things to do. Uh, like Robert was saying, you know, you don't know what, Dynacalc is, or that it's even there. Um, so, so I might, I might say, you know, it's it's very clearly laid out. And I do want to do some um, uh, demos on my channel or on the show around the lesser known applications and utilities. So oh, that hopefully that will, yeah, that will help. Yeah, I need Nitros Nine for dummies. Start with a D save demo. Sure. Just went through that oh, that's easy. Night. MS copy dash A L Y M. A L M. I see. I didn't know about MS copy. <laughs> it has it's been mentioned in the docs before. Steps. I think around beta three or four, I mentioned it as a way to back up. All right. Well, there, there you go. I failed already. Yeah. <laughs> uh, David doesn't know how to get out of uh, text, I think. Mm, Control E or break? I can't remember what it is now. Control C, Control, Control e, e, Q, maybe. Control break, Control Q. No. Oh, yeah, Control Q works. There it is. Right. Uh, uh, David, you, you, did you realize that Space Quest was an adventure game? Yeah, I know. And I'm looking at the, te the commands down the bottom. I have no idea what the commands are. So I tried yeah, to you're gonna type. Yeah, okay. Yeah I, yeah, I didn't know what the commands were. So I thought, oh, well, <laughs> could be anything. The English language is huge. <laughs> yeah, but you can't you can just go to the, you can go to the archive, just search uh, Space Quest and pull up the, the manual. manuals. And, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, I've got to do that, but <laughs> but I haven't yet. So I. Uh, anyway, yeah. I'm, I'm out of here. It's breakfast right. over here. It's right. Vegemite time, eh? Yeah, it's getting time to getting time to push the button. Yeah, push the button, Frank. Push the button, Frank. Everybody, say goodbye. Goodbye. Say goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.